You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello and welcome back to our ongoing coverage of everything Spider-Man. We started this probably about 12 years ago with um, our episode one recap of Spider-Man the Animated Series. (laughs) We're finally here. Uh, No, we haven't gone that long, but we are here to talk about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, aka spider-man 5 aka spider-man 2 part 2 um, i don't know what we want to call it but uh it's our last one for a while for at least a couple of weeks until the new one comes out uh, uh by the way my name is colin uh you can call me webman call me amazing just don't call me late for dinner get it and as i predicted you stole my opening line <laughs> <laughs> it's the only line in this movie i tried so hard to find other ones and my name is Ben, and this is my laundry, my machine. Back off and eat your sandwich. <laughs> okay, that one's okay. Thank you, thank you. I, I had to have a good backup one there. <laughs> um, so we're well into this now, and we're finally here as the untold story gets <laughs> told to a certain extent. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, this came out only two years after Amazing Spider-Man 1, and about 12 years after Spider-Man 1, uh, and about 10 years after Spider-Man 2 Part 1. And about three um, years before so- Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, it's just so confusing at this point. Spider-Man's all over the place, but let's be honest, at this point in the Batman series, we'd already <laughs> had at least one other Batman. I'm Batman. Um, <laughs> uh, I know that this is going to be an interesting episode, because you have... Uh, made it very clear your dislike for this film, um, even in comparison to Spider-Man 3. Uh, um, let's not talk about that can one we, again. Can, but... we, can we please talk about that instead? <laughs> <laughs> I know that I've said that I'm uh, a bit of a fan of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, I can't honestly say that I'm the biggest fan of it. I think the more I watch the movie, m- more issues I do have with it. But I don't know. Let's just quickly go around with what our original experience was seeing this. I'll kind of start out. Um, like all the other Spider-Man movies, I was there opening day. Like all the other Spider-Man movies, I kind of <laughs> had no interest in it uh, until it got very close to it coming out. I know we talked about this with um, The Amazing Spider-Man. I was just sort of like, ah, I'll check it out. And then it really surprised me how good it was. With this one, I think it took me a couple extra days to see it. I mean, it was weird for me having always seen the Spider-Man movies on opening day, even the ones I wasn't excited about. And I had people telling me, oh, did you see Amazing Spider-Man 2? And I'm like, no. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I won't say anything, you know? So I had to wait. I think it was almost a week uh, after its release before it came out. But uh, I did enjoy it. In fact, I really enjoyed it the first time I saw it. And that's kind of a flashback to what I said about Spider-Man 3. Um, so it's interesting that here we are a couple years later and my opinions have shifted a little bit. I know I saw this with my wife when it first came out and she's a big fan of Andrew Garfield. She liked the amazing Spider-Man one and she just complained the movie was too long. And, uh, I think even when I first saw it and enjoyed it, I definitely did feel it was too long, but I don't know. I'm going to have some changing opinions here. Uh, some things that have developed just this afternoon as I watch this. I think I mentioned that this is the only one that I did not see at the cinema out of all the the ones that we've covered so far. Uh, And I think that just kind of came down to, going back to what I said about the first Amazing Spider-Man, how I only kind of really saw that at the cinemas because we won tickets to it through a radio competition. Mm -hmm. So when this kind of came out, it's not that I didn't want to see it. I did um, because, again, I like Spider-Man, even, you know, Andrew Garfield. But um, it... I think it just, it was not like a real thing that I was like, oh, you know, I really, really need to see this. You know, it wasn't like 
one of these franchises that is on my butt, like a Star Wars movie comes out, I have to see it. You know, a James Bond movie, you know, a Jurassic Park movie. This one I was just kind of like, eh, if I see it, I see it. And I never did. And I, I literally only watched this, um, the time recording this, about three months ago. <laughs> Two months ago, three months ago. <laughs> so even when it came out on DVD, like I think I bought this on DVD not long after it came out. I just didn't watch it. I just put it on my shelf. Like, cool, look at all my pretty Spider-Man movies. And I just, I just didn't get around to watching it. So... Uh, as I've mentioned plenty of times throughout these rewatches, I, I watched all of these, you know, not that long ago. Uh, so in watching it for this, it's only the second time I've ever seen it. And I think I disliked it more the second time I watched it than the first time I watched it. And I'm having to take notes in it this time around. So I'm looking forward to talking about this because what I find interesting about sort of like your criticism of that for Spider-Man 3 and all that kind of stuff that we went through... Um, is that like I can see bad things wrong with Spider-Man Three, but I can defend it because I still feel it's an enjoyable movie. I don't necessarily Ugh. think this is an enjoyable movie. Like there's enjoyable parts, but there's so much about this movie that I'm just like, oh, I'm in Alaska watching this. I should be out like, going looking like bears and shit. Um, <laughs> <but instead of laughs> it's daylight at like midnight where you yeah, are. Let me t- <laughs> let's just let's make that an ongoing joke in this episode. I am in Alaska right now recording this episode <laughs> and I have not seen night in three days, okay? So, like, I'm glad we're not doing Batman because it just would not suit the vibe of watching it when he's out in the shadows when, you know, Batman couldn't exist in Alaska, but that's a whole other episode. Um, so, yeah, um, that's my history, my very short history on The Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man 2. Your very long version of the very short history this of The me. Amazing Spider-Man This Spider- is why these episodes <laughs> go so long. If you took me out of the, all these Spider-Man episodes, Colin would get this shit done in like 10 minutes. Like, Ben's here. It's like, oh, ha, 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 look at him. He's gotten all these diseases. And what was that disease we had in the last episode? I can't even remember what it was. Kidna. Kidna, kidna. there we go. A kidna. Ha, ha, kidna. Look at him. He can't even remember his own jokes. Um, well... Look, I, I feel like this is almost in a way going to be a reversal of what we had in Spider-Man 3 because your criticisms, just like my criticisms in Spider-Man 3, you were constantly like, you know, I agree with you, but I still think it's fun. I think I'll agree with a lot of the criticisms here, but I still find this to be a fun movie. In fact, in some ways, I feel like if I if I took this movie and edited it the way I edited Spider-Man 3, I think I could make this the most entertaining Spider-Man movie. Can you? Uh, because... Yeah, I, I honestly believe because I don't think that the issue with this movie is the material, whereas Spider-Man 3, the material was the problem. I feel like it's just there's so many scenes that just drag on way longer than they should. It should just be a little bit more focused, a little bit shorter, maybe a half hour shorter would be nice. But I still feel like everything that's here is fun. It just it needed a bit of work. So we're going to kind of be flipping roles here. And uh, come on, let's be honest. I mean, can the movie be that bad? It is a five time Teen Choice Awards nominee. <laughs> Also a five-time Kids' Choice Awards nominee. (laughs) That that does say something, I think, about the direction this movie took. Because in comparison to Amazing Spider-Man, especially watching these two back-to-back, Amazing Spider-Man seemed like the most mature Spider-Man movie ever. It's like they were aiming to make a Spider-Man movie for people over the age of 18, finally. And now this feels like, let's get the kid audience back. I mean, do you do you kind of see the same thing with this? It almost has kind of a fun, cartoony feel. Yeah, look, uh, omit the word fun if you don't agree. Well, no, no, look, I can, I can definitely see that. But that's, I think, my problem, is that the whole point of the Amazing Spider-Man movies was to take this in a different direction from what we had in the Sam Raimi films. And I think what Sam Raimi and all that did very well with the, the, trilogy, the Tobey Maguire trilogy is that 
you know, they, kids can watch those movies. There's not one, I feel, in any of those that kind of like adults and kids can enjoy those. But it's like they don't seem to make their mind up with what they're doing here with the Amazing Spider-Man ones. Like, as you said, the first one, like, target over an 18. But then all of a sudden, oh, no, lol, joking. Let's go back to the kid-friendliness of it. And it's... Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, again, as I said, there are things in this that I do enjoy. But I just... I think this is such a jumbled mess in terms of, like, everything. I can see that and I kind of... You know, even if it is for kids, I even think kids would be confused on this film because it's kind of, there's just so many bits that are just randomly thrown at you, forgotten about, let's bring them back again, you know, and I think it's perfectly bookended by how it begins and how it ends and like, you know, with Rhino and Rhino and then just, I don't know, like I'm going all over the place already, just like the fucking film. But this is I, I see what you're saying. I can. I should again. Long-winded answer. I will. I will say though, as far as the kid audience goes, I think really where I saw the difference with this is uh, in being able to see this. My nephews hadn't seen any of the Spider-Man movies, and I think I showed them the Spider-Man movies leading up to this. And I didn't show them the real version of Spider-Man 3. I showed them my version of Spider-Man 3. And they're like, this is the best Spider-Man movie ever. (laughs) Which, of course, we should say, kids will usually say every new movie they see is the greatest movie ever. But what I found interesting with this is that they walked out of Amazing Spider-Man 2 saying, that was the best Spider-Man movie ever. To the extent where my oldest two nephews uh, combined their money that they'd earned, you know, through doing chores or whatever, to buy their first movie together. They're like, we're going to pool our money to buy the Amazing Spider-Man 2. Like, they had their choice of a lot of other what movies, and they chose the Amazing you Spider-Man are 2. to let them do that. Like, can't you make them I buy, like, Star them Wars or something? Or? <laughs> I, I was showing them Star Wars at the same time, and that's just what's funny about this. Is your, that your they nephews are dumb. This movie. <laughs> I mean, I will also say the second greatest movie they'd ever seen at that point was The Avengers Age of Ultron, <laughs> and I have nothing positive to say about that. Have they not seen but... Die Another Day? <laughs> We'll get there eventually, maybe when they're older. Um, I don't know. I just I feel like that this movie does appeal to kids because I, I don't think kids get as impatient with the long drawn out scenes. But um, this is going to be a little bit different as we cover this because uh, <laughs> as we were kind of talking, you didn't make as many notes. I didn't. I really um, didn't. <laughs> I like this. I like this. I made probably more notes than you did, but there are so many scenes that run for like 20 minutes straight. I literally at points of this film got up and did other shit and was like, <laughs> oh, like oh, maybe I should find, what did I do with that in my suitcase? Oh shit, I should write something. Oh, Gwen and Peter are talking. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Ben went to sleep uh, yeah. with daylight <laughs> and he woke up the next day with daylight and it, I don't Peter know what time it is. You don't know what time it is in Alaska. It never changes. <laughs> You're like, are they still talking about dim sum? Seriously, get on. Am I ready for my cereal? And they're like, no, Ben, it's dinner time. Like, wait, no, it's not. It's still daylight. Uh, I, I think though we are going to breeze through a lot of this. It might be our shortest episode yet on Spider Man. I hope but, so. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned uh, you know how they they bookend this and uh, the the opening and closing. I mean, even before we get to the Rhino part, it's interesting that they're following up on the same scene we saw the first time around in the Amazing Spider Man one. You know, this is the untold story that we didn't get around to finishing the first time around. So let's pick it up. And now we're basically seeing the exact same scenes from the intro to the Amazing Spider Man one, except the first time we saw it from Peter's point of view, and now we're seeing it from his dad's point of view. And that I do kind of like that there are a couple of moments in this where you're listening to Richard Parker doing his video and you hear Peter in the background deliver his line from the first movie. Um, so it was interesting to see that. The problem I have with this, though, is that we're basically 
watching Richard Parker commit spider genocide, and we don't know why. He's killing every spider on the planet. Spotty. And then we get him dropped. Yeah, then we exactly. Yeah, let's gas all the spiders. Um, but it moves on to this plane crash, which again, one one many scenes that drags on too long. Uh, I might be more interested in this if I found Richard Parker to be a credible action hero. <laughs> I don't feel like of all the the moments of this movie that maybe we're missing some good action. We needed Richard Parker's action scene and. If you watch, I watched the deleted scenes for the first time today. I'd never watched the deleted scenes on my Blu-ray before. And that scene is greatly extended. Um, and there's a reason why we'll get to deleted scenes at the end of this movie. But I timed it, and it is seven minutes before we get to Richard Parker's story ending, and we pick up with Peter skydiving with the Spider-Man logo and the very cool new theme that Hans Zimmer composed for this. Seven minutes of Richard Parker's action hero intro. Um that gets followed up with something I did like in this, which was the Spider-Man intro, the, the the diving with the music playing, you know, the the whole truck chase with Rhino. I think that's fun. Uh, Paul Giamatti is great at being over the top, and this is maybe something that was missing from the Amazing Spider-Man, and even missing from Spider-Man Two and Spider-Man Three. Is just this great over the top villain? And I remember when Paul Giamatti was announced as being part of this movie, I kind of assumed he'd be one of the main villains, and it really is just a cameo here in the beginning and the end. Uh, but it's a cool sequence. We get Mark Webb still really good at staging these Spider-Man uh, sequences and watching us, uh, or, or the way that we can watch him use his powers and everything. Uh, um, a lot of stuff's introduced right at the beginning here. I mean, nerdy, awkward Jamie Foxx, you know, Peter rescuing him and him introducing himself by name. That's going to get really creepy later on. Um, this is Mark Webb really embracing the cartoony side of Spider-Man. Uh, when his cell phone goes off and he's attached to the, the front, I mean, that's a really funny moment. It's the the Spider-Man, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man theme playing. You know, his back and forth conversation with, uh, I keep wanting to call her MJ, Gwen, <laughs> as his graduation is going on in the background. <laughs> it's not Shailene Woodley. Yeah, oh, thank goodness. Don't even get me started on her. Uh, and of course, the ghost of Dennis Leary. <laughs> Dennis Leary? <laughs> You know that Ghost of Dennis Leary was in this movie? Dennis Leary in this film. (laughs) Dennis Leary. This is what's funny. I feel like we're covering a lot of stuff because Peter, you know, he he finishes the action scene. He catches Rhino. It's funny. It's cartoony. Um, He gets to his graduation. Stan Lee sees him changing. It's like, I know that guy. Um, (laughs) That entire sequence, everything I just mentioned up there from when we see Spider-Man diving in, the Rhino fight introducing uh max or uh, soon to be electro jamie fox the graduation stuff peter on the cell phone that is seven minutes okay (laughs) they took just as long to introduce us to all the main characters give us an entire action scene and have peter parker graduate as they took with richard parker's plane ride i mean (laughs) i like this stuff in the movie but this is just where there is a problem with the editing here that the Richard Parker stuff goes way too long. I timed it. It was seven minutes when Richard Parker ends. It was 14 minutes when the graduation happens. I mean, that's. I just feel that's way too long. Um, I'll kind of leave it off there. But uh, it is a lot of stuff to cover, but very little screen time, as we've uh, now discovered. Well, as we will also learn, I feel, throughout this episode, there's always a fucking lot to cover in every single thing, because they just shove everything down our throats every, you know, 14 minutes, clearly, as you've timed <laughs> it. Uh, I just want to point out, first of all, going back to, I think, our last episode, where I was saying that, um, you know, Richard Parker's a bit of a dick father. He's also a bit of a dick when it comes to playing hide-and-seek. I mean, seriously, he's playing hide-and-seek with his fucking son, and he's off filming, like, videos of himself. Like, fuck you, you're a terrible <laughs> dad. Play hide-and-seek with 
with your son. Um, What's he doing? Like he's just trying to, you know, put up a new a video on his YouTube yeah. channel when his son is there needing father son time. But like seriously, think about this. So like at one point they're sitting around, you know, poor little Peter's like, Dad, Dad, let's play hide and seek. And we're like, yeah, okay, let's sure, son, go and hide. And he's like, oh, well, 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 I'm here. I may as well just confess everything on a video because who knows when they're gonna. And when when does that office get trashed? How long is Peter looking for his dad? And how does Richard not hear them <laughs> trashing quiet the office? Or, also, how quiet are the burglars? Yes. Like, if you're going to trash a place, you're going to do it right. And there's a, the one guy picks up, you know, a lamp and he's ready to smash it. No, no, no. Do it quietly. <laughs> quietly smash but it. But if they're going out of this way to try and kill the Parkers, if they know their home play hide and seek, uh, why don't they just try and kill them then instead of, like, hijacking a plane? I mean, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, the plane, look... The the one thing I got out of the plane crash is the guy that the bad guy who comes out of the cockpit, you know, the the guy who's trying to kill the Parkers. I literally wrote, "Is that Dennis Leary again?" Like I thought that was Dennis Leary. <laughs> like Dennis Leary. <laughs> Dennis Leary's in this twice, and he's dead. That's amazing. Um, I, they should rename this the Amazing Dennis Leary <laughs> too. I will say the special effects are pretty cool with the plane crashing. Um, <laughs> why is there a parachute? Like why? Like, I mean... It- Parachutes for the both of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, funny you mentioned Die Another Day, because actually when, like, he's, like, then when he blows the, the the thing off the side and he's about to get sucked out, I'm waiting for Richard Parker to say, time to face gravity! <laughs> As he gets sucked out of the plane. Oh, download 007, available <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have much to add. I mean, I, I that's actually, seriously, one of the ones I probably didn't feel was too long. I just kind of felt it was... Okay, but the Richard Parker. Yeah, show? I don't know. Maybe, really? maybe I'm just weird that way. Uh, well, you knew yeah. that. Um, but, but yeah, I, I do like how it kind of swoops into the spider logo and the the shots of him. Mm-hmm. And what does he say? Like, what do you have for me today, New York? Um, how is he hearing that police radio? <laughs> like the hell? Spidey sense. Of course, of course. They're they're tingling. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that's that's one way of putting it. Um, I like it. Like <laughs> the, the people in the street are like Spider Man, and he's like, "Hello, pedestrians." <laughs> and then I do I will say I do like it when he knocks on the window you know uh, Miss Criminal and like <laughs> obviously like you had the line you know you can call me Webhead you can call yeah. me Amazing and what does he say like oh not not a shaker are you a hugger I'm a killer oh yeah <laughs> like, that's kind of cool I- this goes back to Amazing Spider-Man 1. I'll, I'll stand by it. Andrew Garfield has chemistry with everybody. Mm. I love the the way he plays off of even weird over-the-top Paul Giamatti for about five seconds. Yeah, and I mean, like that's kind of one of my things I, I think I said. Like, I, I enjoy him when he's actually Spider-Man. Uh, you know, I think he's got that, you know, funness about him and all the little, you know, one-liners and all that sort of stuff, which obviously Tobey Maguire didn't really have. Um, other things, I love the fact that what he's still in plutonium and there just always happens to be a computer there that says like, warning, violation of protocol, warning, these will explode. <laughs> Thank you very much for telling us that computer. It's plutonium. Mm-hmm. We understand it's dangerous. Um, yeah. and I, I actually really, this is, I was reading a lot of kind of like the reviews and things about like the, the comments about this movie. And I was kind of reading like the mixed reviews for Jamie Foxx. I actually really like Jamie Foxx in this movie. I, I like Electro. That's one of the few things I actually mm-hmm. really like. And I love it, like, when he's there with his blueprints and, you know, uh, what is it, with the whole, like, I'm a nobody. It's like, you're not a nobody. You're Max. You're my eyes. <laughs> like, I, I just love him. I just, I, 
How did you know who I was? Oh, yeah. uh, your name tag. <laughs> yes. It's just, yeah, I like that. But th- to me, this whole sequence and like what we've had from the beginning to where we're at now, this is just this just sums up the entire movie. We've had so much shoved down. And this is like, oh, remember how his parents were killed in the first one? Let's see what happened there. Oh, he's a villain. It's Paul Giamatti. Oh, he's the future villain, Electro. Oh, Gwen and Peter are going to break up again. Oh, it's just like, oh, there's Dennis Leary. Uh, <laughs> haunted by the, the ghost of Dennis Leary. You know, it's just, it's just so, so, so much. And it's just, I, I even feel Spider-Man 3 at least gradually gives you so much. Where it's like, uh, this is like, straight away, here's a hundred things for you to digest straight away. And it's, there's fun bits. I agree with you. The whole like Spider-Man, Spider, like the phone, like that's fun. Yeah. Where the hell was he keeping that phone? Um, <laughs> you know, and like the whole graduation thing, the foreshadowing well, of Gwen's speech. You know, I mean, it's it's... I like it, and you know, it was very nice of Stan Lee to show up to uh, Spider-Man's uh, graduation. But again, there's just yeah. so much going on straight away. Uh, I don't want to forget the very cheesy one-liners. I'm just stuck in a bit of traffic right now as he's <laughs> stuck on the hood of this car. I like when he's like when he's saying about like he's like I'm at Fifth Street, Sixth Street, Seventh Street, Eighth Street. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um. We have the graduation stuff after that, you know, nice little scene with uh, Peter and Gwen there. Peter comes on stage and just shoves his tongue straight down her throat. <laughs> I thought I thought he was going to do the same to uh, Aunt Meg when, like, he, he sees her. Like, because we kind of just seen him pick up. What, shove his tongue down Aunt Meg's throat? Well, like, it, but just, like, you, when you watch them so quickly together, like, he jumps up on stage, picks up Gwen, kisses her, then, like, cuts straight away to picking up Sally Field. And you're like, is he going to mack it on with Forrest Gump's mum right now? Like, <laughs> there's the weirdest thing there, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, one it is complaining. Like I like the scene, as I said with the Amazing Spider-Man one. All the scenes that uh, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone have are amazing. But at the same complaint I had with the first one, I feel he's way too comfortable uh, and too confident because there's no world where Peter Parker is willing to come on stage and just make out with his girlfriend yeah. in front of everybody. I mean, I just don't see that happening. Uh, that's again a minor complaint because I think their scenes are so great. There is a deleted scene when I went through the deleted scenes. Most of the deleted scenes are just extended versions, but there is Flash does come back. Oh, uh, in a deleted scene and during that graduation stuff they have there in between, where uh, or right before uh, I think Gwen's parents come, where he's basically saying he got into Dakota State, you oh. know, the, like the biggest loser college you could get into, and he ends up like uh, mispronouncing a word or something like that. It's it's kind of a funny scene, but I just love Flash. I kind of wish we had it, uh, the Flash scene in here. That's uh, I can, a minor I can, thing, I can, though. I completely forgot that he wasn't in this movie, so... <laughs> there you go. It's because you weren't watching it. You were <laughs> doing dishes. And- <laughs> you know, having a shower. It's in the background. The, the, the ghost of Dennis Leary Dennis is, of Leary. course, still haunting... <laughs> And this leads to the um, famous dim sum breakup. (laughs) (laughs) One of the most iconic cinema scenes in history. Uh, this, even when I saw this the first time around, you know, when I really had no complaints out this, then I'm like, it's probably the most entertaining Spider-Man movie, but this one scene just, it never ends. (laughs) Do you think this is uh, the only scene in this movie that never ends? Well, first time around, I felt like this scene and then the introduction of Harry were the two things that just, okay, let's get on with it, you know? But, like, also, I just feel like we're coming off of this great, really fun opening, which is important for any movie, but we're seeing Peter and Gwen really having fun together, and, you know, he's, you know, basically on the verge of having sex with her on the stage at his graduation, and then they're, they're joking. <laughs> the deleted scene, yeah, as Flash watches on. 
Um, and then the, the graduation scene, and then all of a sudden he just dumps her. It's just, I feel like it's too heavy. I just uh, I don't like how quickly they jump to that. Um, the breakup scene goes on too long. But then what I do like next is the whole montage stuff that we have of him as Spider-Man. This is what Spider-Man 3 was missing. Spider-Man 3 did like this you know, emo Peter with the Saturday Night Fever music playing, whatever it was. This is how you do a funny montage. You know, you don't have to have, you know, the raindrops can fall on my head or whatever they had in Spider-Man 3. Uh, the, the little things that he has here, when he has the cold, I mean, that, that stuff's really fun, I think. And he, he comes in and he's sick and he's filthy. When he's changing clothes on the ceiling, like, I know I mentioned this with Amazing Spider-Man 1, the, the way that Mark Webb has different ways of showing us his power. You know, the fact that he's changing his clothes and he's rolling all over the ceiling, I think it just looks really cool. Uh, following that, when he's in bed, <laughs> maybe the, the biggest laugh I get at this entire movie every single time, even though it was in one of the trailers, it still never fails to make me laugh. When he's diving under the covers because he couldn't get the suit off, and Aunt May's like, why is your face so dirty? I was cleaning the chimney. He's like, we don't have a chimney. What? <laughs> no, then he could do it properly. He's like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 I agree with you. That, 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 yeah. that, and the one that always gets me when he's like doing the washing, and he's like, "I was washing the yeah. American flag." Like, no one washes the American flag. <laughs> oh, I'll never do it again. <laughs> oh, like, I don't feel like we had you know these great Aunt May Peter scenes in the first one. Maybe because it was heavy, you know, with them. <laughs> but I feel like those are some of the best things in here, and I, I'm so critical of Aunt May in the original trilogy. What? I think there was one Aunt May, like what? <laughs> but in this one, like I almost want more of Sally Field than Andrew Garfield. Always to get want a, more like, of Sally Field because Sally Field is awesome. <laughs> well, almost always. I saw Lincoln, and I'm sorry. No, uh, Lincoln was boring. Let's be honest. Lincoln was like a dim sum breakup <laughs> for two and a I half. I had like hours. five showers when I was watching Lincoln. I flew to Alaska and back, and Lincoln was still on. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, the the theme, the the theme, the uh, scene with Max and his apartment. Okay, another complaint. Maybe I didn't have. I mean, now you said you like Jamie Fox. I like Jamie Fox too in this. I definitely like the evil Jamie Fox more. Yeah. And that not so much a knock against him. I just felt like his his in, not his introduction, but these scenes here with him, you know, planning his birthday party and rehearsing in front of the mirror, and even just the way that they introduce it and they have all these like Spider Man things on the wall, it's just so ripped off of the Riddler and Jim Carrey from Batman Forever. I mean, I, I just rewatched Batman Forever recently, and then I saw this scene, and I'm like, it, it's like shot for shot the same thing. His performance is almost like he was studying studying the uh, the the Jim Carrey Edward Nigma stuff before he becomes the Riddler. It's just too much of a ripoff for me. Um, the, the there's a fun line here between Aunt May and Peter where uh, he's talking about selling his pictures and he's like he gives me a fair wage. You know if it were 1961 <laughs> uh, and. Was this the scene? I don't know if it was this one or later on where Peter sends his picture of Spider Man. He goes, "You're wrong. Spider Man's a hero." And then. Jameson no, replies just with raw that's, that's when Norman that's after Harry that's like seven hours okay, into the movie yeah. so I, I will say though between that and even just the mention of Jameson here like I can't be the only one even though this is a completely different tone completely different movie different actors I still see J. Jonah Jameson as J.K. Simmons oh, sure. even if his name is just mentioned well I, I just quick, and it's, just really quickly on that sorry to interrupt but I actually was reading mm -hmm. just before we started recording this that 
J.K. Simmons said he wanted to do it, and then basically Sony could not find an actor that they thought was even remotely comparable to J.K. Simmons, so they just they didn't put him in the film. That's why he's not in it, and that's that's all credit to J.K. Yeah. Simmons because I mean, you and I clearly both agree that that guy is just amazing. Yeah, and I, I mean, we even said before that they could easily have done a Judy Dench in. Yeah. Uh, you know, Casino Royale, and just had the same actor, and just say, "Well, we—it's a new universe, but let's just let them do it their their way." And the same actor, it would have been great to have them yeah, there. Um, the laundry scene, as you mentioned, is fantastic. Uh, fighting over watching the American flag, and even just the line that Peter has in the, "All right, laundry share." <laughs> <laughs> I just—I love the rapport here because we would never get that with you know Peter, who has like this reverence for Aunt May, the Tobey Maguire, and uh, Rosemary, uh, whatever her oh, name is, in the first. Yeah, uh, it's just it's fun because this is what it would be like between a guy who's raised by his stubborn aunt, you know. And this is a New York aunt too. She's gonna be stubborn. Um, yeah, those New York aunts—they're just so known for their stubbornness. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, you, you, you in it's Winnipeg obviously have got a lot of experience with New York aunts. Like, yeah, it's a stereotype in and of itself, you know, kind of like Canadians uh, and maple syrup, <laughs> Australians and you know crocodile dundies and kangaroos. With New Yorkers, it's the Ants. Uh, Everybody's aunt is this tough, mouthy. Bitches. <laughs> Park the car, you little shit. <laughs> Can we just have our version of Sally Field as your typical New York aunt? Honking a horn. Wash your damn laundry. <laughs> Go Knicks. <laughs> Go Mets. No, fuck the Mets. Yankees are better. <laughs> More power. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like Christopher Walken two seconds ago. <laughs> you seriously, when you were like, go Mets, I was like, is that Christopher Walken? So I'm just like, more, more power. <laughs> Did you know that Christopher Walken's in this movie? He needs more cowbell. Uh- <laughs> um, uh, we're not really even talking about the scenes here. These are just all kind of loose scenes going on. The, the Max's birthday invite stuff is so bad. Um, even as the defender of this movie, I don't think I could defend that. But I'll kind of stop it there. Just a grouping of uh, scenes of Peter recovering from the bad breakup. Yeah, the, the iconic dim sum breakup of the amazing <laughs> The dim sum breakup of 2014. What, what, a, you know, what an iconic scene. You know, you think of all the great movie one-liners and all the great you know history of Hollywood. That dim sum breakup is right up there with, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And, Luke, I'm your father. <laughs> you know, I'm the one who breaks up with you, Peter. It's me. I break up with you. Look, the, the most tragic moments in love film history really comes down to Jack drowning as Rose freezes and the dim sum breakup. <laughs> oh, don't put them up together, Colin. That's too hard. I can't choose. Come back. Come back. I break up with you, Peter. It's me. I break up with you. You know, and there's always that debate. Just like, you know, Rose could have moved a fat ass on the door to put Jack up there. Like, there was space. There was plenty of space in Gwen's life for Peter. Uh, <laughs> and there was plenty of dim sum there that Peter could have eaten first. That's, that's like, my, my whole thing about this scene is, like, Peter went hungry. He didn't get any dim sum. He had to leave. Yeah. It's like, fuck you, Gwen Stacy. Like, he was hungry. 
How about like Gwen's widowed mother is now picking up the tab for Peter's buffet or whatever that he didn't show up for? Yeah, can we just say that the the the, the sadness of this movie has to go down to Gwen's widowed <laughs> mother because you know, spoiler alert, Gwen dies. So like, it's kind of like she's losing everyone in this film. Can't wait to the Amazing Spider-Man three finally coming out. So it's like Gwen's brothers end up getting picked off one by one. <laughs> They're just waiting to die. <laughs> That's the real tragedy of the Amazing Spider-Man: the lady left behind. <laughs> your your typical New York widow. <laughs> I can't park my car. I've got no family. Uh, <laughs> no more. No more death. <laughs> Oh, bring back Christopher Walken in everything. Um, it's Dennis Leary. I've, I've just I've, ri- I've written here on my notes. I don't know what that's in context to. I've got it's Dennis Leary in capitals. <laughs> in context to our last episode. Um, yeah. Um, I I'm just remembering where we began. I've re- I, what does he? What does he say when like they're in this you know iconic breakup scene of like I see your dad everywhere I go like that's kind of freaky when you two are having sex is he like just watching on with you like is he in the middle like going oh Gwen oh Gwen oh it's Dennis Leary <laughs> when you're watching the American flag he's just looking over your shoulder shaking his head yes um, yeah I don't mind the whole little montage scene I agree with you I think that works. Um, I like how you've got kind of like the radio callback and all that sort of stuff, like, you know, and all the news people. There's been sightings of Spider-Man. You know, this has brought up the question in America of vigilantism or whatever the fuck the word is. (laughs) Vigilantism. Vigilantism. I mean, you know, since being in Alaska, they need Spider-Man up here. Actually, it's Polar Bear Man or something like that. I don't know. Um, We had that little kid, that little shit kid. What is he like um, getting attacked by? When does Spider-Man stop bullies? Yeah, that's right. I completely forgot about that scene, which I like that scene. I like the way that he interacts with the kid. The same as, like, the first movie where he told him, put on the mask, it'll make you strong. You know, with this one, it's like, you made a wind turbine. That's awesome, kid. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, that little kid annoys the shit out of me. Like, Oh, come on. Oh, later on in the movie at the end, like, what a fucking little shit. Like, I wish Rhino Here just, like, stomped on him. I spent the first three episodes of this series trashing old ladies, and I'm like, Ben, leave the kid alone. No. Come on. Fuck the little kid. Um, <laughs> what does this one of the, the radio callback people say? Like, I don't feel like kids are safe with him around. Like, he's just saved a little kid from bullies. <laughs> like, fuck you, random person. Although I agree. If you say kids aren't safe with him around, that usually implies something else, <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. We know where Peter took that little kid after he saved him. He took him back to, oh. you know, he, had, he washed him with the American Let's flag. Let's move on. Um, I, do, I do like it when he's like, when Aunt May is trying to come in, and he's just like, I'm just very naked right now. Like, um, and like the, the thing, like just the little things I have problems here that I've written. It's kind of like the, you know, we needed the extra plot line of Aunt May going to nursing school because that plays a huge part in the plot. Um, yeah. I'm so glad we had that. Um, what else was there? Oh, everybody works at Oscorp. I've written here because of course, you know, actually the, the one that you're talking about Max, the, the funny thing is actually, which is, it's kind of so obvious, but I didn't actually put it together until I read the, the trivia statistic that he's the first villain in all of the Spider-Man films to not have a direct personal relationship to Peter Parker. So it's kind of like, <laughs> there you go. Wait, he just, 
He's just the stalker of Peter Parker in costume. But I, the thing that I, I really like, and maybe this is just because Max resembles my life. I live like Max does. Um, so maybe like... You have a bad comb over. Yeah, I have a, I have a wall, like, um, you know, devoted to, I don't know, Colin. Uh, <laughs> on my birthday, I wake up. Colin, you wish me a happy birthday. Oh, you made me a cake. Oh. Lots of- Lots of celebrities actually do come yeah. to your birthday. That's <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Um, it's actually it's a very good point though you make about like comparable to Jim Carrey and God, I love Jim Carrey and Batman for I just love Jim Carrey in general. Why haven't we done a Jim Carrey movie yet? Seriously, um, <laughs> but was that is that the scene when he's in the elevator and he meets Gwen? Am I jumping Gwen, yeah. ahead there? Uh, I, lo- I like uh, it when, like... He- we'll talk about it here. Yeah. I'm just going to quickly say, I just love it when she leaves the elevator and she's like, bye, Max. And it's like, she remembers my name. It's like, because yeah. she just said it two seconds ago. But again, that's me. I meet someone. It's like, oh my God, you know me. Let's be best friends. So, <laughs> I have nothing more to add. Uh, no more. No more comments. <laughs> Um, I hope we have stuff to add on the next, uh, not scenes, but at least actors we get to see here. We get introduced to three amazing actors here. Uh, one, of which, <laughs> one of which, I don't know why I always assume he's Australian, but I, I guess he isn't, which I found out as we were about to start this episode, because I was prepared to ask you how Australia feels about the great Australian Dane Dane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I always think he's Australian. Like I, I, I can't tell you why. Maybe did he do an Australian movie or something? Uh, but who are we talking about here? Hang on, back up, back up. Harry, Harry, Dane DeHane. Oh, yeah. I, look, I, I don't even know who the fuck he is until I saw the Amazing Spider-Man two. Oh, are you serious? I, I just think he's like a poor man's Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, oh, don't no, get me started no, on Harry. Are we at Harry yet? I fucking hate Harry in this movie. Jesus. Oh no, he's okay. I, I mean, I, there are moments where, you know, I don't like him, but I think that... Uh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. I'll get to it later on. No, no, okay, Dane he's Dane. not Australian. I'd never heard of him before this. Has okay. he done an Australian movie? Come back to me. I'll find out. Uh, well, no, I, I think where my confusion comes in is uh, he a movie that I really love him in is a movie called Lawless that has, like, Tom Hardy and, uh, don't judge me, Shia LaBeouf. Okay. <laughs> uh, but maybe because Tom Hardy's in that, and also Guy Pierce and Jason Clark, who are Australian as well, you know, I assume everybody in that movie must have been Australian except for Shia LaBeouf. I think Hollywood's so, gotten to the point where everybody assumes everybody's Australian now. It's yeah, just kind exactly. Of, every, I think I was having this conversation with somebody the other day where it's kind of like growing up. You know, it was such a big deal in Australia. People like Nicole Kidman and, you know, all these, you know, Russell Crowe, Crow. Mel Gibson. It was like, wow, we're so proud of these ones. Now it's kind of like, eh, another Australian, Jai Courtney, fucking who gives a shit? Uh, <laughs> nobody cares about Jai as long Courtney. As it, it's only <laughs> Hugh Jackman we give a shit about, right? The rest of them, yeah, they're just That's Australians, right. whatever. Yeah. Uh, give me Joel Edgerton. Come on, I love Joel Edgerton. Well, look, Joel Edgerton, I have to say, underrated. Good call, Colin Hilding. Yes, there you go. Yes. All right. I like Joel Edgerton. Jason Clark and I like Jason Tom Clark. Hart. He was in a TV show called The Chicago Code, which I feel is one of the most underrated TV shows in history. It got cancelled way too early, but anyway. And by the way, Tom Hardy not Australian, but I also always think he's Australian. Well, <laughs> we're ruled by the same old lady, so just kind of like Canadians, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> uh, anyways, Dane DeHane, who plays Harry in this amazing actor, he kind of broke through with a movie, uh, probably only a couple of years, maybe only a year or two before. It's called Chronicle. What's eating Chronicle. good? Great. Did you? No, did <laughs> Romeo you ever and Juliet. See? Sorry, he's Leonardo DiCaprio. How can you not see it? 
I can see it now that you say that. Yeah, but he's so much better than DiCaprio. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> at least that, that... That is the worst thing you have ever said, Colin okay. That's No, if no. If you could find something Leonardo DiCaprio did pre the age of 30 that is on level with what Dane DeHane did in Chronicle or Lawless... Dane DeHane's a little uh, bitch. Fuck him. Leonardo DiCaprio rules all. Did you ever see Chronicle? No, that's the only cool. thing I've seen him in is this film. I've not seen okay. him in anything else. Chronicle was a movie... It was, was like... It? Uh, well, it's you know the found footage genre, like paranormal yeah, yeah, yeah. activity yeah. and all that. It's that, but with superheroes. So it's basically these three teenagers who get superpowers, and they're filming themselves using it. It's, it's basically what teenagers would really be using their superpowers for, like to torment other teenagers and to try to hit on girls and stuff like that. But it gets really dark, and Dane DeHaim plays the one that turns villainous, and he's so good in that movie, like like amazing in that movie. So maybe I just have a soft spot because he was so good in Chronicle and so good in Lawless, but uh, I actually do like him in this movie. And you don't um, like Leonardo DiCaprio. Have we just discovered that you are not I a D- Leo like, fan? I don't like Leonardo DiCaprio so early in his one. career. Say up until Catch Me If You Can, I couldn't care less. And that includes Gangs in New York. I think he's awful in Gangs in New York. Wow. Wow. But Catch Me If You Can on, you know, uh, Departed, Aviator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even kind of like Body of Lies, but, uh, you know, don't judge me for that. But, yeah. <laughs> wow. At this age, I think Dane DeHane had better movies. I, I will put Chronicle up against Titanic any day of the week. No, <laughs> Sorry. no. Okay, uh, let's talk about the other actors here. We get oh, Chris he's Cooper. In True Blood. Sorry, I'm just reading about Dane DeHane here. Oh, I've seen Dane True Blood. Dane in True Blood. <laughs> I watched True Blood, so maybe I have seen him in something else. So anyway. Never seen him. Um, okay. <laughs> Chris <Continue>. Cooper. <laughs> Chris Cooper. Like, come on. This is an Oscar winner here mm-hmm. as Norman Osborne. And this is where I think this movie did some things really smart because people were almost upset with the first movie because it was retelling the origin story, doing very few things differently. And also, everybody walked out of the first one assuming it was just a tease. And they're like, it's going to take an entire trilogy to pay this off. So everybody assumed that we would have to wait until the third movie to find out what happened with um, Richard Parker. And, you know, and, and then they, they, let's kill him off in the first scene of the first episode. Let's OK, let's reveal he actually is dead. Everybody assumed this would be a big build between Norman Osborn and especially when you hire Chris Cooper and it ends up being a cameo. He dies in his first and only scene in the movie. You know, uh, I love that we don't get Norman Osborn in this movie and it kind of surprises you uh, as an audience member. Uh, and there's other things like that that I like in this. So can we talk really quickly, Chris Cooper, do you have any more love for him than you did Dane DeHane? Well, he was, what's his, I, I know him best from American Beauty because I fucking mm-hmm. love American Beauty. Um, and I'm, look, I, look, I'll be honest with you, I'm not overly familiar with him outside of that. I've, you know, he's one of these ones that's kind of like, I know who he is. You, mm-hmm. you see him, like, oh yeah, you know, American Beauty, the, the neighbor dude. Uh, and then you yeah. just kind of like, and you you know it, but it's like I I guess I'm not. I'm just looking through his um, uh, filmography, and there's a lot of stuff here that I haven't seen. So I look. Uh, if we're really getting started on Harry and Norman right now, by all means, <laughs> um, if you just want me to focus on Chris Cooper, sure. Uh, I read an interesting statistic well, about him that he was actually in line to play Doc Ock in Spider Man Two. So oh, that would have been cool. Yeah, I didn't know that until I read that trivia, uh, but. Um, I mean, look, that's my thoughts. If Please continue if we're getting on to Norman and Harry, because I oh, don't think you'll like what well, I'll have to say. We'll get that in a second. <laughs> I'm just going to introduce the third character that, or the third actor I'm really excited to be in this movie, and that's Combe Fior, who is a Canadian legend, and only really if you follow Canadian TV and movies you're going to realize this. He played uh, the man who was voted our greatest prime minister of all time, uh, Justin Trudeau. Trudeau. 
Yeah, he well, he played Trudeau's father. Oh, I thought. Oh, okay, movie. never mind. I'm just doing yeah. that from an Australian perspective. You know, he's got an amazing ass. <laughs> but on top of that, I mean, he was Henry Taylor in 24. Yeah. I mean, this guy's oh. awesome. What's his name? Stepdads, uh, stepbrothers. <laughs> well, on top of that, he is <laughs> stepdads. Stepdads. You know what I mean? Poorly received spinoff, yeah. along with New York Ants. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But soon. also. <laughs> Just as a trivia fact here, Colm Fior uh, stars in the highest grossing Canadian movie of all time. Justin Trudeau? <laughs> no, it's a, it's an action movie, kind of an action buddy uh, Action uh, in Canada? What? Yeah. What is well, it like? It, oh, it, sorry, I blew up your building, eh? <laughs> it's a huge movie here called uh, Good Cop, Bon Cop. And uh, the sequel, <laughs> which has taken like 10 years to make, is coming out this summer. So it may have already come out. I mean, Canadian movies kind of disappear really quickly. But this movie was legitimately huge. So here in Canada, he's great. Uh, please, let's save this. You don't know who Chris Cooper is. You don't know who Dane DeHane is. You know Cole Fiore of yeah, all three? of course I do. Like, I'm, look, I don't no, have I, as a Canadian. Well, look, I, I know, like, again, I mean, a 24 fan, straight away, of course I am. But, like, he, he's one of these ones that, again, it's like, you just know him from so yep. many different things. So mm. as soon as you see him, you're like, ah, yep, okay, I know who he is. So, yep. um, yeah, yeah, of course I do. I didn't know he was Canadian. I didn't know his real name, but <laughs> I By knew the way, he was. Uh, I'm so glad as a Canadian that it was a Canadian you knew. But uh, <laughs> I just want to say uh, what it took us to get through the recognition of Dane DeHane, Chris Cooper, and Colm Fiore also is less than Richard Parker's introduction <laughs> Let's move on here. Um, we have Harry's introduction. We have Norman's introduction and yeah. final scene. We have Confiore's introduction. Uh, and we basically find out that Norman Osborne has echidna. Uh, <laughs> that's what <laughs> all of this was about. <laughs> uh, all of the experiments, all the spiders, uh, the terrorism, everything that's happened up until now, it's all to cure his echidna, this rare disease. Uh, this scene definitely drags on too long. I think, again, I would have really loved it, especially since we're getting Chris Cooper and Dane DeHane. If it was maybe about six minutes shorter, <laughs> this mm. one might be longer than the other. Um, and then uh, what else do we have here? Uh, let's group in Max's transformation. You know, he wants just wants to go to his birthday party. There's going to be lots of celebrities there, but you're not invited. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> his boss is such a dick <laughs> it's almost too over the top where it's like i mean this is like a huge corporation it's like hey we need you to fix the the power issue in that room ah uh, but there's like live electricity everywhere that's oh, okay you'll deal with it you know <laughs> and he sends him in there it's kind of funny but maybe a little bit too cartoony like th th we're, we're just coming off of norman's death and we have this very over the top transformation thing i guess the first part of the the making of electro here um still it's it, it, i like that we get a traditional transformation which we didn't get with lizard it was very slow to reveal it and uh, even with sandman i mean he just sort of like turns it it's not like big and this is like doc ock or green goblin it's big and it's over the top and cartoony so i like that uh and then finally let's just group in with that here the uh harry with the board you know he takes over the board and uh, the introduction of scene. The, the Felicia, um, another big actor who I absolutely hate. And <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, no, believe it or not, like Felicity Jones, who's, of course, most famous now for playing Jin Erso in Rogue One. I cannot stand her. Um, wow. I didn't mind her in Rogue One, but I will say she was probably my least favorite actor and character in Rogue One. 
I know she got nominated for an Oscar for The Theory of Everything, the single most boring movie to ever get an Aww. Oscar nomination for anything. Uh, I like The Theory of Everything. Ah, uh, Ben, get off my show. Hey! <laughs> Fuck you! You don't like Leonardo DiCaprio. I've got more fans on but, my side. <laughs> but it's kind of a cool reveal, which I don't. If you don't read the comics or hadn't really seen any of the anime shows, you wouldn't really get it. But like her character Felicia black is cat. supposed to be obviously Felicia Hardy, who turns into Black Cat. Yeah. You know, kind of like uh, a villain type character in the Spider-Man universe. They were obviously setting that up. That's a bit of a fun introduction. And then we get the other scene that drags on forever, which is Peter and the Harry. Love scene. The love scene, yes. <laughs> which I actually do like. Again, I like this scene in small doses i think the fact that they're very distant with each other is fun in the beginning it's like oh i know we haven't really talked since we were kids and then you get like the the thing where he's talking about peter's unibrow and then he's like do you still blow dry your hair no my manservant does it but uh i i comb my hair as he holds the blow dryer Uh, i I just like these two guys like joking around with each other the scene that follows that where they're out on the pier and making love to each other with their eyes (laughs) (laughs) again drags on a bit too long but small moments in there i like like you know when he's saying oh yeah new york you guys got like these weird lizard creatures and a spider guy and then peter's playing it very cool where he's like oh just one spider guy and uh no he's not too bad harry don't don't judge him too quickly um the scenes drag on too long like a lot of stuff in this movie but i do like the harry and peter relationship better than i think it actually played even in these two scenes it's better than it played in the majority of Sam Raimi's trilogy. And this is what I hoped we would have gotten in Spider-Man 3. And that's why I will defend Harry in this movie. And I'll let you go on your rant about Harry and Norman, as I know you're about to do. But in a perfect world, they would have taken all of the Peter and Harry stuff from this and put that into Spider-Man 3, and we may have had a decent movie there. No. Um... I'm bored at this point in this film. This is taking out the the Max transformation stuff, which you know, this just this. I'm so bored in this movie right now, and like it's just again. I mean, how far are we into the movie at this point? Surely, at least like I don't know. It feels like it's, three hours. But it's probably about twenty minutes. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know um, because I mean, how long? It's like we've kind of again going back to what I was saying. All these things are being shoved down your throat. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wait, he's more people to be introduced to. Look, like, I know people complain in Spider-Man 3. It's kind of like, oh, we've got all these villains. But it's like, they're all there. Like, we've already met Sandman. We've, we know Harry, clearly. Um, you know, I, I guess Dofa Foca face, whatever his name is, is like there and thereabouts. <laughs> but, like, it's, they're still there. Like, it's all of a sudden, like, we're like four hours into this movie. And, oh, wait, here's another one you've got to get to know. Here's Harry. And it's yeah. kind well, of, oh, it's just. Uh, okay, I'm going to have a defense of Harry. I'll go on this now because I know we're going to get to it later. I know that this is – some people criticize this the same way they criticize Spider-Man 3, and I think it's completely different. Because with Spider-Man 3, there were too many villains, and I defended their, the way they used the villains in a way in that I said in Spider-Man 3, they, they didn't have them sharing the screen all at the same time. So you had – 30 minutes, 40 minutes of Harry, and then you had 30 to 40 minutes of Sandman, and then you had you know, 30 minutes of Venom with Sandman on the end, and it, it wasn't like they were all there at the same time. With this, it, really, if you think about it, Harry's only a villain for two scenes of this movie. One scene as Harry, where he breaks Electro out, and then one scene as the Goblin at the end of the movie. Other than that, 
it is all Electro in this movie, and Rhino is just a cameo in the beginning and end. This movie doesn't have too many villains. By the time Harry even emerges as a villain, it is for about five minutes at the end of the movie. And it's probably more of a tease for what they were going to do in Amazing Spider-Man 3. So I'll totally defend the use of the villains in this, because I think they do a much better job handling it Look, than Spider-Man 3 did. I, I agree to the extent of the... like I get the whole setting up the universe that they were going to do, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that towards the end of the film and kind of what happened post this movie. My problem is, is that you don't need him to be the Green Goblin in this film. You don't. Like, you can just set that well, up for a future film. And, like, to me, it's just kind of like, oh, here he is for five minutes so he can kill Gwen. It's like, okay, it's, cool. Eh, I just, I just I, don't... I think, you know, uh, eh. in a way, I think you do need him. I'll get to that when we get closer to the end. But, no, I, I, I think... It's just forced to me. I don't... I, I hate... Harry in this film, I hate him. I'm up there with the the hate of MJ as a character, not Kirsten Dunst. I like Kirsten Dunst, uh, and and I mean Do- Dofa face. I hate him. Um, and like it's just his whole motives in this film for being evil is because his friend wouldn't give him his blood. It's no different to Tofa face. Oh, boohoo! Like he's gonna die if he doesn't get the blood. There's well, a bit of a difference. He's gonna die anyway. So like, what's the point? Like he got the. Blood. The blood he got the blood. Him. He didn't need Spider Man. Like, stop being a little bitch. You got the blood in the end. Like, suck it up. I do not like him. He didn't get the blood. He got a venom that, that basically is killing him quicker. He would hate Spider Man with all this. Well, he's a hateful person because he thinks he's Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio and he's not. And he's shit. Uh-huh. I do not like Harry in this film. And it just, I hate the way it kind of it gets you. You get him. It's like, okay, here he is. And then all of a sudden it's just like. Oh, and of course, Peter and Harry know each other. Like, I mean, we obviously know they do based on, you know, comic books and everything else. But it's just the way it kind of, it comes out of nowhere. Like, here's Peter just chilling on his laptop, getting yeah, yelled at well, by Jan- Jonah Jameson. And all of a sudden, it's like, he's like, he's like, Harry? And then it's kind of like, just so he can rock mm. up at the ever-protected, you know, Osborne mansion that just lets anybody in, uh, just so we can have this romantic scene by the river with, like, you 2 <laughs> playing in the background. And, like, I swear, like, seriously, if you are watching this film, you, if you just show this scene to anybody, you're going to assume this is, like, a, a love story between the two of them because the music <laughs> in the background sounds romantic, the way they're kind of, like, joking about and Peter's all, like, flirty and all, like, climbing over the edge and he's all like, ah, ha, ha, ha. It is the modern-day Top Gun yeah, well, with I mean, more erotic <laughs> scenes that weren't But it's even more homoerotic than Top Gun. I mean, like, <laughs> seriously. Like, at least, you know, it was the 80s. That was just kind of the bro thing to do, whereas this is 2014. Like, you know, this is acceptable well, let's now. let's be honest. It's 2014. <laughs> that's the new bro thing to do, yeah. okay? <laughs> uh, I just... And, like, look... Okay, just the Norman, I'm going to... Yeah, you I'm go. I'm going you to... Go. Ag- I'm going to hate saying this, but I'm going to agree with you slightly. Freeze frame. <laughs> <laughs> End episode. Thanks for listening to the Oz Network. And good night. Rewind. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you slightly. <laughs> um, okay. I do think that the relationship with Harry comes out of nowhere. It would have been better done if they, they probably knew they wanted to go here with the sequel because they knew they wanted to tell the Gwen Stacy story. That's the whole purpose. It wasn't to do the untold story of Spider-Man to do this trilogy. They're like, we got to do the Gwen Stacy story. And you can't do that as a sequel when you already have Mary Jane. You would have to do it first. So they knew where they were going with this. They knew they would have to have Norman or Harry. Why wasn't Harry at least mentioned You know, all you have to do is just have a moment where Harry exists in the first movie, you know, where somebody mentions, oh, you're even worse than that Osborne kid. Remember him from grade six? Like something like that with Flash or anything. Um, But 
so I'm going to agree with you just in that I feel like Harry does come out of nowhere and it's like, hey, we're long lost friends. It's, it's almost like where it's like, you know, oh, look, it's my twin brother that we didn't mention for the first four seasons of this TV show, you know? Yeah, slightly agree with you there, but not, when they are on camera, I like them together and I like the way that their friendship, it feels more like a real friendship than Tobey Maguire and James Franco had. And maybe it's just because they have more chemistry together. Maybe it's because, uh, you know, they write it a little bit better and they, of course, they had an hour and a half of screen time together here to pull it <laughs> off. But I think it just works better. Look, I can, I can agree with you in points. I think they do work very well on screen together. I agree with that. It just, it feels more of a... A, a clearly a different friendship relationship. I, like I, I like Tobey Maguire and James Franco together because I think that kind of works in the fact that it's like you got really kind of like geeky Peter Parker with a slightly cooler person than him, but you know he's it's kind of that that he's cool in a way just because he's got money and he kind of gets what he wants because he's got money, but he's still not like Flash. He's not one of the cool guys, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, well, but it's just it's like you, I think you explain that perfectly when you say it's kind of like he's my long lost brother after four seasons. It's just, it's just yeah, exactly. It's just there, and it's like. This is my huge problem with this movie is you've got so much going on and it just it, it bounces all over the place. Like again, we've still got to establish points of this of like Peter's gotta discover that, you know, his dad used some presidential tunnel to fucking funnel <laughs> spider shit and at the same time, oh wait, Max is still there, he's kinda of blue and glowing. Oh, ten hours later, oh look what Rhino's back, he's little shit kid. And where's Bernard? You know, <laughs> where's Bernard? Exactly. Why wasn't he here? It's Harry, just... your your long lost twin brother is here to see you. <laughs> I could tell by his wounds that he was once your brother from my time at the, the Wound Technology Center. Um, it's just this is going back to what you were saying about how this movie like went the kids angle. This movie to me doesn't know what it wants to be. Because, like, I see that. I see what you're saying about more friendly to the kids, but then you've got this whole serious nature to it. At least Going right back to Spider-Man 1, the classic 2002. Oh, don't we love that film? Like, you know, how we we established that was kind of like a comic book. Norman and Harry, like, over the top Norman, Willem Dafoe and, you know, Harry. But now it's kind of like this is where they're going back to being the reboot, serious, dark for adults, you know, with the way they've done this whole scene. And just it just... It's just muddled, and I just, I really don't like it. It's boring. It's too long, and I just, I have no care factor for it. I think you summed it up perfectly when you said, like, maybe mention Harry or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's it's kind of like, you know, in, in uh, Batman Begins, how, like, right at the end of the film, you know, he's, he's the Joker's card. It's kind of like... Yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah. setting it up. It's mentioning it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, even in Batman vs. Superman, there are references to things that, like, kind of a... You know, there's this expanded universe in terms of just what's going on with Batman and Superman and villains and people like that. It's just he comes out of nowhere. Hey. I know we had Norman in the first film, but even then it's kind of like... You know, the lizard, uh, you know, Kirk Connors got into so much shit because he was under so much pressure to try and save Norman. Mm -hmm. Why isn't, like, this whole sequence, like, oh, here he is, he's he's finally Norman, but he's dead. Fuck you, Kirk Connors. You couldn't save him because you turned into a lizard. Like, I mean, that's kind of, like, forgotten. On on that, though, do you like the surprise that Norman, like, were you surprised by it? Were you expecting, oh, Norman's going to be a bigger part of this and they kill it? Like, I actually still remember 
being caught off guard with that. I was like, well, he can't actually be dead. And even when I rewatch it now, I'm like, yeah, I think it's really effective that they kill him off and they give you something new because too many people complain, well, we knew exactly where Amazing Spider-Man 1 was going and the things that we didn't know, they just left out in the open. Oh, that's never going to be resolved. And here we have resolution is something that you assume they'd never even show us. And, and here we have it like first scene in the movie is his last scene. In a way, yes, but I, I, yeah, I agree with you. But I think I just don't care enough to even compute that until you tell me like i'm not even trying to make that as a joke i just honestly am not caring enough at this point in the film to 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 even think that uh you pointed out very well and i agree with you when you say that but it's it's just like maybe we'll get it to it later when we get harry as green goblin i just i just feel like you could have held off on harry becoming green goblin until next film had they done it it's kind of like how at the end of spider-man 2 he discovers the goblin suit at the end of Spider-Man 2, and you're like, oh, shit's getting real in the next film. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I feel they could have done that with this. And I just think there's a lot of things with the Harry Norman stuff that just could have been done different, and it's just... I just do not care about Harry in this film. Norman's there for two seconds until he's back in hologram form, you know, to annoy all the receptionists at Oscorp. Mm-hmm. Um, being played a hundred times a day, but, yeah. Um... The next scene, I mean, this is a, a longer scene, but longer in a good way. Everything's uh, so long in this film. Well, I, I, I won't, I shouldn't say the next scene, because there's really two scenes we'll cover here, which kind of go together. One is the reuniting of <laughs> the, the great dim sum breakup, which... Uh, so glad we got resolution. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get friend zoned, you bitch. But I, I like this scene, and this is one where it drags on too long, and I do think it could have been, it could have been quit, uh, a little bit quicker, but... I don't mind that it. I like watching these two enough together that you know the the playfulness they have. We're like, okay, you know, we're just gonna be friends now. That means that you can't you know stare at me with your big brown eyes. And he's like, oh, you can't do that little rubbing your nose thing. I think it's a fun scene, and they could just go on. They could have been improvising that for all we know. And I think they're good enough actors that it almost comes across that way, even if it is scripted. But that scene's nice, and uh, I, I just don't think we needed the breakup. I think we could have just had it be more casual. And maybe they decide to break up and you don't have to have him stalking her. That's another fun moment, just how awkward he looks when she realizes he's been stalking her and she's not insulted by it. Um, that scene and then the other one, which goes on a long time, uh, but I really like, is when he becomes Electro and yeah. you know he's walking through the streets or Times Square and he's just drawn to it. And he's on the big screen everywhere. Everybody's staring at him. And of course, it's, yeah, it's a little bit over the top. It's like, everybody sees me. Everybody sees me. He's basically just like, I don't know. He's, he's just a fame, he's fame or really. He's, he is. he's, he's you. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> listening. Is- there are people listening to our episode. <laughs> it's not all about Colin. Fuck you. It's about me. Ben Ben also will just play his episode on his phone. And say, Have you heard this new podcast from the Oz Network? It's amazing. Why do you think I'm in Alaska? I'm spreading it around the world. I just literally walk down Anchorage with speakers. Like, I, wow, how good is this? Uh, but he's basically, he's just starstruck, which is, uh, this is going to be a bit of a complaint for Electro as a villain. And I don't mind him in this movie, but I feel like the Spider-Man villains always have like really good motivation maybe with the exception of Sandman or Venom. Uh. But uh, Green Goblin, you know, and Doc Ock, 
And even to a certain extent, I don't think they handled it well, but the motivation that should have been there for Harry, you know, wanting Peter dead and all that, it worked. We didn't get that with Lizard. I think that we could have had something a little bit better. And this is where the movie falls short. I think this could have been a great movie, but I don't think it was ever going to be a great movie when your villain just wants people to notice him because he's shy and lonely. Um, we had, but- you know, Dofa face just wanting to get back at him because he got his job and stole his non-girlfriend. Which was terrible. Like, exactly. I'm not defending that at all. Uh, and I think this is a step up from that, but uh, I also just feel like I don't know why he would suddenly go mad over that, but I like the way they made Electro look in this movie, which is completely different from the comics. Uh, the use of his power, setting it in Times Square, too, is great. I yeah. mean, these movies could film anywhere nowadays, and they chose to not only have this still film in New York, but let's really showcase New York. And people have seen Times Square a million times, but they've never seen a sequence like this. So the way it works, even with Peter just talking to Electro, I mean, there's not a lot of action here. And if you really think about it, there's very little action in this movie outside of that first sequence until we get to the climax, maybe a few little things here and there. This is probably the longest action scene, and it's just more tension than it is action. You know, when he's he remembered his name and all that. I mean, this dialogue goes on as long as the dim sum breakup, but wow. I actually like it. And especially when the Spidey sense comes in, you you know, and he, all the people are about to get shocked and he's doing the backflip and, you know, he's only got the one web shooter working. I mean, uh, Mark Webb has a way of taking one moment in a movie and dragging it out forever and actually making it work. Why he couldn't do that with some of the dialogue scenes, I don't know. But in the action scene here, I think it really does work. So I like this. Um, and uh, the, the fireman hat that he has on the end, that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I like that, too. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Times Square sequence is one of my favorite parts of the entire movie, even though really nothing much happens other than one backflip. It's just the way that Mark Webb stages it, it makes it look so much bigger. This this is definitely one scene that I love. I, I can't really say much bad about this. Um, this whole visually looks incredible. Um, and yeah, I agree with you about how, you know, they, they really emphasize New York. And actually, I read a, a very interesting statistic. This This entire film was filmed in New York State. Um, and it was this is the largest ever production to ever be entirely filmed in New York State. So there's a random statistic for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, just I I really like how I mean, again, having someone who doesn't know how to read, uh, let alone comic books, uh, like I didn't realize his visuals were different how he looked in terms of what Electro actually looks like. Um, so yeah, I love kind of just how it all starts. He's what like masturbating the the power cords in Times Square, and you know, it's just it's kind of very like. You know, 2014, you know, of course you're going to have, like, cops suspicious calling for backup, you know. Um, I mean, it, it fits in well with the time and just, yeah, like, the, the the only little nitpick things I have is, like, how the hell do they quickly get him on TV so quickly? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like, breaking news. It's a live broadcast. <laughs> yeah. When, um, and one, like, having been to Times Square multiple times and, like, that, that section is, I mean, it's all legitimately there. Those red steps are obviously very famous, um... You know, amazing race. Lots of things have been. I've been on those stairs multiple times, but like in front of those stairs, <laughs> you were also on those stairs. They see me. Everybody yeah. sees me. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the very first time I went to Times Square, they have this section where there's like one of the screens where if you stand in a certain spot, there's a camera, so they're like, see yourself on the big screen in Times Square. So I I was there with when I was still with Louise at the time, and we were both like, hey, we're on the screen in Times Square. <laughs> so I've been on that screen, Colin Hilding. Shut up. Uh, and there was a, there was also a throwback to the movie. There were little kids there at the time. And you're like, hey, you want to stick around? They're going to play it again in 15 minutes. 
Um, but like in that that whole section in front of those red stairs, there's like tables. There's all there's always people there like doing shit. So the fact that people can clear that out so quickly and there's like no other. I'm just being nitpicky about New York, but anyway. Um, yeah, I love this. I don't really have a whole lot to add in terms of just anything special. I agree with everything that you say. I, I do like the bit where, like, obviously him and uh, Gwen are talking about her moving to England and then kind of they got that bit at the end where kind of he lands and, the, you know, they've got an electro. Sure. And he's just like, yeah. he's just like, England? Really? And then she's just like, <laughs> good talk. Like, I like that. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, the, the one bit that I think is really cheesy is um, when he's like, it's my birthday, a time to light my candles. (laughs) Really? Really? (laughs) But, um, yeah, I enjoy it. I think it it looks, and it looks, again, visually special effects, it just, it looks incredible. Um, The next bunch of scenes, it'll be quite a bit here, but this is basically just establishing the plot finally an hour into the movie. Uh, (laughs) We've just got another 30 characters introduced probably. (laughs) Well, we find out about the Roosevelt investigation, and Harry decrypts this file that his dad gave him with his blood, uh, finds out that he's got a kidna as well. Um, <laughs> Damn it. Spreading. <laughs> we have Gwen, dig- Gwen digging through some files, which leads to you know the, the fun scene with uh, her being chased by security, and then her and Peter in the closet. And the, the way that Peter distracts them, I mean, it, it reminded me of the subway scene in the first one, which was unintentional, where he was, like, accidentally hitting people. Yeah. But I, I just, like, I'm tripping over the mop and everything. I, there's a lot of fun stuff in this movie. This is what I'm saying. There's these moments that maybe if they had just cut a lot of the, you know, boring stuff out that was there, they would have had a really fun movie here. Because I think that the tone is much lighter. And I think the comedy plays better in this than it played in The Amazing Spider-Man 1. Um, Electro and Kafka, the, the evil scientist. Uh, Dr. Kaufman from Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I could shoot uh, you I from even... Stuttgart and still make it look like a suicide. <laughs> Listen to Double R Seven. We're gonna plug that every episode we until should. people start doing it. <laughs> More people need to listen to it now. Listen, Roger Moore's dead. Um. Also, listen to the death of Roger Moore caused by Ben Waterworth. And after this, the we know that book. Sally Field is probably gonna die or something. Yeah, like thanks that. a lot, Ben. Oh God, please, Sally Field, don't die in the next forty-eight hours. Please don't die. Um. I don't know about Kafka. I mean, I. I, I kind of think it's a fun little character, but this is where uh, I don't think this movie has too many villains. I think it has too many henchmen, if anything. Oh. Uh, because it feels like, you know, you have that weird, you know, guy, the the, the the guy who appeared at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 1 who shows up at the end of this. you got Kafka. All these guys that are all working, you know, for Oscorp as part of this project. It's, I think it's just, it's a little bit too much setting up the universe, as you were saying, where they could have just pulled back a bit. But, I mean, you have to have Electro in there and, you know, show that they are experimenting on these people. Um, one scene that I love, love more than any Aunt May scene that we had with Rosemary Harris, thank you very much, is Aunt May gets angry at this. This is your New York aunt. <laughs> <laughs> she, she is full of rage. More, more anger. <laughs> Uh, but I mean it's also it seems like a very natural scene like it's irrational and usually when people get angry in movies it's not irrational and that's the thing I actually wrote that I like about this is she's kind of irrational she's like oh you're my son and everything and uh, no I did nothing wrong and uh, of course Peter's like really good with her in the scene Uh, Sally Field's so much better than I gave her credit for the first times I saw either of these movies. And I don't think I realized it until I saw this one, because she is kind of just there in Amazing Spider-Man 1. And even the first, I think I've seen this, this is my third or fourth time seeing Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, 
I don't think I even really paid attention to her as much up until now. And I just think that she's fantastic in that scene there. Uh, that's an Oscar clip. Forget about Lincoln. Um, as we're very Please, everybody forget about Lincoln. Forget about Lincoln. We, we big. Daniel Day-Lewis won an Oscar. It was about a president. <laughs> the end. Uh the, the, the scene with Peter and Harry, I just got a laugh out of the. You know, this is the one you're talking about where you know he wants his blood or whatever. And I will say this is where I will defend Harry because I wish we had this Harry in Spider-Man Three. It would have made so much more sense. You know, you don't have to have it. I'm dying. You could make this. You know, you killed my father, but let's just have a little bit more rage. Let's not make it. You know, so. Uh, <laughs> Let's do the Shoot. twist. <laughs> Omelette. <laughs> like strawberries. Oh, let's forget Harry in that. Like, I like Harry in this. And maybe I like Harry in this because it's Dane DeHane. Or maybe I like it because it's better than what they did in Spider-Man 3. And I liked James Franco in the first two. This would have been great for James Franco to do even. But Peter lowering himself down to, to when Harry's asleep. I just was thinking the entire time, kiss him! Kiss him! <laughs> <laughs> we have a perfect upside-down kiss here. <laughs> we could have gone four for five movies here. It would have been a great moment. <laughs> Homoerotic Harry and Peter. <laughs> oh, th- th- look, it's almost a better love story than Gwen and Peter, the Harry and Peter. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's kind of like... The whole, you know, uh, I mean, I'm complaining there's so much going on in this film. I can't imagine what it would have been like had they kept Shailene Woodley in this film, um, you know, with a love story for MJ. But, like, I mean, screw that. Like, you know, literally, let's put the love story of Peter and Harry. Like, again, it's 2014. Like, why not? That's right. Modern day bros. (laughs) Very modern day bros. Bros with benefits. (laughs) Um, When it goes from the Peter and Harry scene, which again I like too, and and I always forget that scenes in the movie. It's funny because I know this movie; I've seen it three or four times. As I said, there's nothing that surprises me. And when that scene comes up every single time, I'm like, oh yeah, they do have a scene here with Peter or Spider Man and Harry. Um, uh, the uh, one that comes up with Gwen after this, there's just a, one of those fun little moments. Like Mark Webb has these great little comedy moments where Peter's swinging in as Peter and he just hits a brick wall. <laughs> he just overshot it. Uh, and then the scene where you know she's basically going for her Oxford interview and you know Peter's trying to say like oh I don't know what to do my best friend and lover is about to die and he wants my <laughs> blood to save him and I don't know if I should give him my blood or give him something else <laughs> um, he wants the to way suck scene- my blood <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, my favorite moment here from Andrew Garfield and he toned down let's give him credit he toned down the stuttering he really did (laughs) yeah He's way more confident in himself, but the way that he handles the end of this year, I missed the stuttering a little bit where I'm like, okay, at least we got the one moment where, you know, it's like, I- I'm John Hopkins from Harvard, and <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, my fair lady, I mean, madam, God save the queen. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, it's also just an, a, a nice scene. Like, it's funny because you, you said in all of our podcasts how I hate romance, right? Well. And all of this, I thought you hated of, it a bit. I thought it was you who hated romance. No, that's what I said. That, that in all of our podcasts, I hate. Oh right, romance, okay, sorry, my bad. I didn't me. listen to you yeah. properly. Shut up, Ben. Yeah, you always tell me I hate romance, which is true. I do. Is Jamie in the background? <laughs> Jamie, does Colin hate romance? She is, and she's just rolling her eyes because she knows it's true. Well, that would have been the funniest <laughs> moment for Jamie to ever just gone. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, but. Wonder we even have a child. Did you pick that up? I did. Artificial insemination. It was. I think. Uh, Colin, are you really the father? But I, 
didn't even realize it until I started taking notes that every time there's like a Peter and Gwen scene, I love it. And I think it's just the playfulness they have. I don't know. I'm, That's I'm how you want to my... be with Jamie. That's You want to like have that with Jamie. <laughs> you're so bored in your marriage. Like, oh, we're so mundane with our child, or... whatever. I want it to be like silly and flirty and break up over dim sum and then, you know. Or is that what we really have and I'm the only one who appreciates it? That's oh. what I'm going with. <laughs> oh, ouch. Hear that, Jamie? Is that why Jamie's never on That's why she's only on episodes with you and she'll never come on episodes with like us. <laughs> Because, you know, I'll call you out for that shit and we'll gang up on you. So, <laughs> uh, But, no, I like all their scenes together. So maybe I am a fan of, as you said, the the kind of awkward flirtiness. Or, or maybe they just have really great chemistry and Natalie Portman and everybody else doesn't. Hey, when did she come into this? <laughs> Fuck you. All right? Natalie Portman and Leonardo DiCaprio on screen together. There's a thought. You would oh, love that. Never, no. <laughs> uh, but there's a whole group of scenes. Feel free to discuss it amongst you and you. I think this is literally where I was, like, going off having showers and stuff. Because when you just said, like, Peter and Gwen, I've literally written, Peter and Gwen, again, rips papers down, oh, no, smashes calculator, of course, Roosevelt train station, Felicia. Oh, no, I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> You really did skip this whole section, didn't you? I'm like, Aunt May's angry, Electro and Kafka. Um, uh, the no, Harry I have written a few things. Echidna, and on. you're like, all right, so there was the train tokens. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, then, then then Rhino's in it. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I've written here. Um, oh, I wrote the song down when like he was being all emo. So there's a song in there called Gone, Gone, Gone. When oh, I the think Philip Phillips one? Yeah, yeah Philip Phillips. Uh, friends with Tom Thompson, Jack Jackson, and <laughs> Sam Sampson. Uh, seriously? Parents of Philip Phillips? You called him Philip? Really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of all the names in the world. Out of I all the names. I wish my name was Colin Collins, to be honest. Like, how cool would it be to have a double name? But, like, honestly, if, like, you know, you had... A, like, if you call your next child Hilly, Hilly Hilding, like... I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's not much... Oh, great. It's been spoiled now. I can't use that. <laughs> oh, you old devil, you hilly. Uh... <laughs> Listen to Double <007. laughs> This is where Ben forgot to take notes because he was showering, so he's just plugging our other show. Actually, off can the I... Puppy I, I... <laughs> the Olympics are now... Only... <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a really random. Actually, I was going to bring this up before when you brought up the emo scene, because you you got a laugh out of this because I messaged you. This is related to Spider Man, so we're not you know going <laughs> off topic here. But during my travels, I connected in Newark and in New York. For those who don't know where that is, um, it's just some random place I'm making up. But I'm like walking through the terminal trying to find my next gate, and I'm hearing this song, and I'm like going, "What is that? I know this music." So I've shazammed it, and then I've realised it's the music they play during the Peter Parker emo scene, when it's like... Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap, like, I'm in New York. Like, I just had to bring that up at some point. Completely unrelated to Spider-Man, but did you ever see the video that uh, <laughs> I tweeted... Uh, of Sam Smith's yes, uh, yes. writings on the wall, playing in a restaurant, my son bawling yes. like <laughs> it, like insanely in tears. I did. Yes, okay. I'd listen to Double Seven. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So what I've written here, what I've written, here, I've written, oh yay, Harry, Harry discovers spider abilities. Oh, this is my, my real, I had a real problem with this, like going back to the last episode where we were saying about the whole, like he creates the web shooters, right? And how I was saying, like, well, he doesn't have to be Spider-Man, anybody can create that. He's trying to fucking work out how to make them so, like, they don't get damaged by electricity. He's watching yeah. how-to videos on YouTube. This is a oh, superhero. Yeah. Like, does Superman go, holy fuck, how do I stop myself from getting hurt by kryptonite? Google how to stop myself getting hurt by kryptonite <laughs> how-to video on YouTube. Like, it's... No! I swear, I made a note on that, and I forgot this. Was that scene here? Because I thought it's I'd... somewhere here, because I've, ri- I've okay. written, Oh, yay, Harry. Harry discovers spider ability. Peter watches <laughs> YouTube to learn. Anyone could do that experiment. Pete, it's me. Harry wants Pete to save him. Uh... <laughs> No. Um, oh, there we go. I wrote, yeah, I wrote shed science experiments, but it autocorrected to sheed. Oh, right. With apostrophe D. So I was, I skipped that. I'm like, sheed science experiments. I don't even know what I was writing there. Let me <laughs> skip that part. Yeah, there was the shed scene. I like the shed scene. The bit, the, the ones here you were talking about Dr. Kaufman and all that sort of stuff, but um, <laughs> I love the, the classical music. The yeah. Does that just not remind you of Homer Simpson in space eating those like yes. pork crisps or whatever it was? Yeah. Like, that's the Homer in space music. Um, and the bit, the bit where um, he's like, don't you know who I am? And it's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Electro. And it's like, nobody knew that because you just said that for the first time. Like, <laughs> But they see him now. Yeah, well, they do. They do. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got nothing else to add again. My notes I, at this point end with Peter and Gwen again. So. Uh, just on the shed scene, like, again, I like him doing the science experiments and all that. It's you know kind of like when he was building the web shooters in the first one. But another one of those little things that they do showing his spider abilities differently, the fact that he's sleeping on in the corner of the ceiling of the shed. Yeah, yeah. Like he actually attached himself there. It's just, it's little things like that, that we didn't get in the Tobey Maguire's. It's something new. So it wasn't all just, let's rehash the same story. All I, over I again. do. I do hate the bit when like, when it's Harry and it's like, it's me. And he's like, Oh, Hey Harry. Like, I mean, I'm going to, yeah. I'm just going to ring people. I'm just going to go. It's me. <laughs> Put it on yeah. private and just see if people know who it is. Like, I mean, <laughs> if you rang me and was like, it's me. I'll be like, Madonna? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You'd be checking your call display for one thing. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I guess, like, it's, again, 2014, no one needs to say it's me. It's like, I know, I've got caller ID, you And dickhead. why do they all have Sony Ericsson's? Well, I wonder, oh, why. wonder why. It's not like <laughs> Sony made this movie or anything. <laughs> um, the next group of scenes here, this is where the plot really takes off. Uh, no joke there. P- Peter finds the train tokens. Uh, Harry finds out what special projects is, and then they immediately come in. I have a question about this with this whole special projects. You know, Felicia tips him off to this, and then they come in, and they're immediately shutting him down and firing him. Did Felicia set him up there? Like, she kind of looks sad, but is it sad because, oh, no, I didn't realize that this was going to happen? Or is it sad as in, I didn't want to set the guy up, but they made me? Because it, it just happened so quickly, I would think that she is behind this plot and that they set him up so that he would open these files and then they would have proof, oh yeah, we can fire you, you're behind this terrible disaster. I couldn't answer that because I really wasn't giving you a shit. You were still showering. I really <laughs> didn't. like. I mean, the only thing I read about Felicia and learnt about that she was a whole black cat and all this sort of stuff, which again, I really think this movie could have been even worse, which is saying something, because apparently there was even more Felicia stuff that they like cut out with the whole love story to do with her and Harry, and you know, then she was meant to be helping and all this kind of stuff. Like There was more. More, more plot, more, more plot. Oh, that more was, 
even going to have in this film? It's like it doesn't have enough already. So I can't answer your question because I really didn't give a shit at this point. Honestly, this, this, <laughs> this movie is, with credits, two hours and 20 minutes It's the long. longest Spider-Man one, right, that we've had up to And in watching the deleted scenes, I fast-forwarded a lot of the deleted scenes because the deleted scenes run for, like, 20, 25 minutes. Now, and there was even granted, a petition for people to have a director's cut of this film. People wanted this yeah. longer. Well, that's the funny thing is that the deleted scenes, a lot of them are alternate scenes, so you could say, okay, maybe it's still 15 minutes of deleted scenes instead of 25, but none of those deleted scenes include extra stuff with Felicia. There's only one moment, I think, uh, of an additional scene with her where she sees Harry transform into the goblin, and none of the Shailene Woodley scenes, thank you, none of those scenes were in there. Um, How long was this movie? If they had 15 minutes of deleted scenes that made it on the Blu-ray... And there was probably at least another 10 minutes that didn't from what we're hearing here. I mean, was the original cut of this movie two hours and 45 minutes? Like, this is freaking gone with the wind. Like, seriously. It's like Lord of the Rings. There's going to be a new one released every three years that adds eight more hours to it. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> the ultimate extended, never before seen, deleted scene version of The Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man 2. Now, we're only 18 hours long. <laughs> that is pretty accurate. Um Harry with the special projects, I just wish we had had a line, a throwback line there. Where he's like, oh, am I? <laughs> Um, apparently everybody at Oscorp has secret underground everybody at Oscorp (laughs) has underground labs because Peter finds Roosevelt and the president the the president's secret uh, meeting spot for his (laughs) Trump's secret one would be (laughs) a boardroom a boardroom set from the apprentice doesn't want the world to really know that he's actually a decent human being So he has a secret tunnel where he donates to charity and cures cancer. Um, he likes but- Mexicans and doesn't want to build a wall. <laughs> he treats women with respect and isn't racist. But Trump doesn't want the world to know. Coming soon to theaters near you. Um, he he would have made a great <laughs> Norman Osborn in this, wouldn't he? <laughs> Out, am I? Fake He's news. There. Sad. He's dead. He's dead in his first scene. <laughs> Um, but what is it with the underground labs? Like, we had Lizard working in this secret underground lab in the sewers. We have Richard Parker's underground lab in the subway tunnels. Like, does nobody actually show up and work in a cubicle at all? They're all, they're all Alaskan. They don't know what night is. So they want to go underground and experience darkness. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, this is basically where we have, um, Harry showing up. Uh, well, we have everybody finding everything out. You know, we have... Uh, Harry getting kicked out of Oscorp, Peter finding Roosevelt and finally finding out, you know, his father didn't leave him. You know, he actually was doing this to protect him. But here's the moment that we all the untold story that we all figured out the moment that Peter was bitten by a spider and it worked and it didn't work on anybody else is that Richard Parker made it that it was his DNA is the only thing that could make the spider bite work, which it's it's an interesting twist on the Spider-Man story. I'm not going to knock it too bad. It's just sort of like. For me, it's like, okay, I think anybody watching The Amazing Spider-Man 1 figured out that was the secret. Um, but there may be another secret that we'll get to later on. We talk can about can I ask the a deletes. question? Interrupt you yeah. and ask a question? Was yeah. this a comic book thing or was this just a, a Mark mm. Webb thing? I, I mean, as far as I know, like I haven't read all of the Spider-Man comics. As far as I know, this is something they came up with for the movie. Because uh, I don't think Richard Parker was ever explored as a character. Uh, I think it was always just a radioactive spider. Like, your, your generic, run-of-the-mill New York spider. <laughs> <laughs> Up there with the, the, the tough nut ants. More. More web. More web. 
<laughs> but uh, no, I, I kind of like that it's a different twist. Like, I don't think that every single comic movie needs to stick directly to comics. And when you are retelling a story that's been told before, you can throw something new in there. It's the same thing they tried to do in Spider-Man 3 with, you know, it wasn't actually, you know, that guy from the wrestling match that killed your uncle. It was this guy. It's Thomas still something Thomas Hayden Church is really your dad, Peter. I was Vandegroot from George of the Jungle. <laughs> um, oh, what a movie. Can we do that? Uh, we will be doing that. I know you, you keep oh, suggesting Fraser. it. <laughs> Fucking mummy. Uh, sorry. But um, the... Uh, yeah, yeah, the scene where Harry shows up and P- Peter finds out everything in the scene. You know, he has a nice teary moment. Uh, Richard Parker's on screen for another seven minutes here. <laughs> and then Harry shows up and breaks Electro out, uh, which again, I think is better than what we saw with the alliances in Spider-Man 3. So if we're going to be comparing the two, you know, lesser liked Spider-Man movies, uh, I think the alliance between Venom and Sandman makes no sense at all. The alliance between Electro and Harry makes total sense. You know, he found about this special project. So not only is he using this guy to get what he wants and needs to stay alive, but he also is destroying this whole special project they worked out. You know, this testing on uh, villains to try to create some type of evil army or whatever it is the Sinister Six is supposed to be. So, yeah, I like Harry in the scenes with Electro. Um, I actually think that this is where Jamie Foxx gets really good as the evil Electro. I am so glad that we didn't hear him say the power of the sun in the palm of my hand, because it almost seemed like the script was going that way. Uh, yeah, this stuff's good. This is the, the plot's being revealed here. And this movie has more of a plot than Spider-Man three, too. So I'll just say here, we have a lot of stuff going on and the plot actually has something happening in it. Just, just quickly. I mean, you mentioned, uh, Alfred Molina sort of there. Um, I just watched, uh, the Ryan Murphy TV series feud and Alfred Molina was in that. And, uh, it was quite good. Is that a new show or? Uh, it was, yeah. He sort of did. It's he's kind of doing a new anthology series as Ryan Murphy does, where he basically is uh, revisiting famous like feuds over the history. This was about Joan Crawford and Betty Davis filming uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane. Um, yeah, kind of like Dennis Leary and James Cromwell. Yeah, exactly. The iconic <laughs> rivalry that they had during the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, can't wait for that to come out. Uh, but it was, it was very good, and Alfred Molina was in it, and he was very good. So I just thought I'd right. point that out. Shout uh, out to Alfred Molina, and listen to a 10-second interview with him on the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The power of the sun in the palm of my hands. Thanks, Alfred. Come again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What an interview that would be. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got Alfred Molina. Here he is. He's really on the show. That's him. Uh, I, still, I still stand by the fact that we need to just go onto Facebook, find somebody called Alfred Molina. Like, not actually Alfred Molina, but somebody else. Get them on the show, because we're not lying. We're, we're literally saying we've got Alfred Molina on the show. Like, we're not lying. Yeah. We didn't say it's the Alfred Molina. It's A. It will be done. Yes. You're looking at it right now. I can hear you <laughs> You're uh, The only person I find is... Oh, no, wait, hold on. Here's some, uh, here's some other guy. Self-employed. Uh, Alfred well, he's not doing much. <laughs> I'll start looking for Andrew Garfield. Uh, His Facebook <laughs> profile picture is him cleaning the engine of a Toyota. <laughs> and... The most recent post he has on Facebook with 63 friends, I should say, is August 31st, 2015. It said, started working at self-employed. <laughs> well, he's been very busy for the last two years. Prior to that, October 12th, 2013, he posted no comment with one M. <laughs> oh, we got to get out from Molina. If you were out there listening, or uh, he's probably been dead since 2015. What are we talking about? <laughs> 
We just we just need to like do an upcoming episode where we're just like we've got the Spider Man panel right now. He's Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> just like have like all the actors, but they're just not really the actors. They're just people call that name. So again, we're not lying. It's not false advertising. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna send a friend request to Alfred Molina here. <laughs> Coming soon to the Oz Network, our exclusive interview with self-employed Alfred Malik. <laughs> so, Alfred, what have you been doing? Nothing. <laughs> self-employed. Cleaning Toyota engines. <laughs> I have no comment. <laughs> with one hand. No, no comment. <laughs> I'll start looking for Sally Field. <laughs> this is how this episode turns into three and a half hours. <laughs> What are we even talking about? Um, All the, the big reveals of the plot. Oh, right. There's a train. There's a Roosevelt. <laughs> um, again, everyone's underground. I like it when mm. Harry's like going through the, that really cool computer and there's that woman, the hologram woman. Uh, and it, it comes up and it's like, <laughs> warning, access revoked. Like, does that woman, is her job, like, does she have to stand in front of a camera at some point and go, okay, uh, Jenny? Uh, these are your lines. So when somebody's trying to hack into the computer, you need to say this line. Okay. <clears throat> Warning. Access revoked. No, not believable. I don't believe they got their access revoked. Do it again. More. More sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> Less. Less access. Sorry. Oh, access has been revoked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um... I'm just reading through my notes. I can't even make sense of what I've written here. Uh, oh, the whole Norman Osborn went behind his back thing and was all like, oh, we're going to weaponize it. What, were they going to weaponize spiders? Like, if, if that's a thing, then Australia should be at the forefront of that. Like, mate, fucking get some fucking spiders into Afghanistan. They're gonna wep- I think the idea is they're weaponizing people genetically crossbred with spiders, like Spider-Man. <laughs> so, so it's just going to be like a man with eight legs. Like in <laughs> Afghanistan with eight AK forty sevens. Ah, fuck you, ISIS. Uh, <laughs> All the one armed soldiers on the battlefield with lizard DNA. <laughs> oh my lord. Um, yeah, the the Max Harry alliance. Yeah, I kind of get. It. Like, I, I'm not going to defend Venom and Sandman's alliance. It was just like <laughs> fucking stupid. But the thing that. Uh, but even their alliance, what what is their alliance? He breaks him out of prison for him to try, and, and then he just shows up anyway as the Green Goblin. So it's just kind of like... If, well, like, he, just, he just needed to get in to get the Venom, and he also <sighs> wanted to ruin what they had going with uh, their special projects. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I guess we do get this little scene, don't we, of like we see the Doc Ock arms and what is it, like the wings and the, the rhino suit. Do we see that yet or do we see that later? Uh, um, I think that's later. Okay, yeah. but we we see the uh, the Doc Hawk arms. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, well, uh, this is, yeah, that's coming in the next group of scenes. Oh, have I? Am I jumping ahead here? Sorry, yeah. I was. Yeah, okay, well, sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh, actually, that's what I've written here. Ah, here we go. He's funny in this. Um, when super exciting Richard Parker, can I just say he's like he's just got no person. Like, he, he, no wonder he's a shit dad because he's a shit. Like, he's just boring. Like, he's just. <laughs> So boring. Um, yeah, not, we don't, he's not an action hero. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not. But he's lying there when he's like, there's nothing important to me as my son. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, at what point have you ever been a good dad? <laughs> like, you're a shit dad. Like, I, I met somebody yesterday here in Anchorage. I knew for five minutes. I'm like, you'd be a good dad. 
But like this, Richard Parker's shit. Like, <laughs> like no, there's nothing more important to your son except for this project that you've killed yourself essentially for. You did, yeah, and your wife. Exactly, your wife. Like she cared for Peter because she knew that he didn't like the crust on his bread. Like fuck okay. you, Richard Parker. Who is a worse human being, Richard Parker as a father or Mary Jane as a girlfriend? Oh, Mary Jane as a girlfriend. That's not even there a question. There we go. She's just a dirty hoe bag. But like. <laughs> At least Richard. At least Richard sticks to one thing. Like he's he's very committed to the cause of creating genetically mutified people with spiders and lizards. Whereas MJ, like she'd sleep with the spider, sleep with the lizard, and then end up with a fucking octopus. Sleep with Richard Parker in the process. She did. She she was under that table that whole time. (laughs) That's why Shailene Woodley's not seen in this movie. She's just on on her knees everywhere. Oh, actually, I would be down for that. Shailene, you look me up. And there's another area we're going to disagree. I hate her. Oh, uh, <laughs> I like me some Shailene Woodley. She will never be on this show. Oh, she will I'm be on this show. I'm building my list here of <laughs> actresses I truly hate. Alicia Silverstone, Natalie Portman, Shailene Woodley. hate Alicia Silverstone? <laughs> I, well, I, I hated her up until Blast from the Past. We established that on our Blast from the Past. I, I, I'm going to look up Shailene Woodley on Facebook, but I'm not looking up the fake one. I'm looking up the real one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the we're going to kind of break down the climax here. Uh, in two parts. Uh, the first part here, you know, it starts with Gwen's voicemail, uh, which I put all I put in my notes is this movie is the longest breakup in history because <laughs> they're still breaking up over the phone. And sadly, one of the deleted scenes that was not an alternate scene that they include on the Blu-ray were two scenes. One where she shows up at the house and tries to tell Aunt May, I'm leaving. Where's Peter? And she's like, he's not here. Followed by a scene where Peter shows up the house and goes, hey, Aunt May. It's like, oh, Gwen was here. She's saying she's leaving. Oh, no. <laughs> like, this breakup could have oh, gone no. even longer. Mark Webb actually had very brief scenes that could have told this story, but instead we get the dim sum breakup. Hey, don't knock that iconic scene. <laughs> uh, this is Did the next part. Was that one of the bits the... that got nominated for the Kids and Teen Choice Awards? Like, <laughs> choice breakup scene? <laughs> Best use of dim sum. Yeah. Kids choice movie. Award. Choice dim sum scene. Uh, this is the whole Sinister Six setup, as you said, with you know Harry and uh, uh, Norman, um, or not Norman, Harry and Norman. Norman's back from the dead in the form of Jamie Fox now. Uh, I no, cleaned his wounds. <laughs> Bernard did a really good job this time. <laughs> I can tell a glide a wound. <laughs> Uh, but no, when they show up and they kill, uh, I don't even know, Comfior is his name, but um, his character, they kill him and bring him back to life. That's a fun moment. Again, a moment I always forget in the movie that's always kind of a pleasant surprise. Uh, this, I wish we had had more of this alliance, to be perfectly honest. You know, as you said, you know, what's the real purpose? Well, I guess there really isn't, but the scenes that they do have together, like I like how arrogant Harry is all of a sudden and how you know, Electro is just like a glorified henchman. It's great. And killing a man and bringing him back to life is great for a kid's movie. I guess absolutely. Uh, the uh, the scene with uh, on the bridge where Gwen's leaving and it's like it's Spider Man. We see you know the the note I love you on <laughs> the bridge, which all I could write in my notes here is I just wish we'd cut to a shot of Max looking out the window, seeing that and going, <laughs> he does love me. He sees me. Spider Man sees me. <laughs> Let's be glad that um, MJ isn't Spider Man because that, a lot of men would have been confused at that point. <laughs> Me, 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 me. 
you saw that message, he's like, oh, which one? It's like yeah. the one with the spider webs. Ah, still got to narrow it down for me. But, um, but, but even then, even let's be honest. Like we've got to we've, we've established Peter Parker and Spider Man. They're, they're they're good guys. But like you know, if he's like Bruce Wayne, like you know, a bit of a womanizer again, could be a little bit confusing. You know. Yeah. Uh, the the scene where he finally finds her, you know, as uh, she gets out of the cab. Again, another nice scene. This is romance at its best. <laughs> oh. So there you go. Okay, Jamie, If the, clearly Colin wants to write, I love you on the Canadian Museum of Peace or whatever the fuck that thing was called. One, um, one day when I'm bitten by a radioactive spider, <laughs> I will become a romantic. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Wait till Valentine's Day 2083 when Colin is Spider-Man. I, I like when he says that he would come with her to England here, though. Because it's like, they got crime in England. There's, sure, there's tons of crime in England. Like Jack the Ripper. <laughs> uh, um, and, yeah. and, of course, where we see Electro taking over here, again, good visuals. I like when a climax has, like, a really big buildup like this. You know, not when it's basically lizard turning people into mini lizards. <laughs> uh, even though I will say I like the climax of The Amazing Spider-Man better, I think that this has a better build-up to it. And, you know, the, the scene where uh, Gwen and Peter are talking about it, it's like, oh, every time I get near him, he fries my web shooters. And it's like, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this. And it's like, did you try magnetizing it? I did not try magnetizing <laughs> it. <No. laughs> um, and, of course, she has a, the solution because she was the number one student at you know, course, whatever school. eighth-grade science can just solve a superhero's problem. You know, they, exactly. Superman, yeah. Clark Kent just speak to eighth-graders in Smallville. Uh, I'm sure they can... <laughs> fix that whole kryptonite issue you've got going for you um yeah <laughs> the police officer another moment i always forget in the movie that just makes me laugh there's so much fun stuff in this movie ben i don't know what you're talking about uh the police but when they they go to tap the policeman on the shoulder and he turns around there's mango spider-man <laughs> <laughs> and then gwen's trying to talk to him is like i'm i'm captain Stacey. of course what can i do for and peter just in the back of the am i talking louder than i usually talk <laughs> Yeah, okay, that's funny, but that's about one scene. So, oh no, no, come on. Even at the end of this, where you know she's saying, "I'm coming with you," he goes, "Okay, let's go." And he web shooters her arm, and she's just like Peter. And then all of a sudden, she just slaps up the muscle. Oh no, I just said his name out loud. That, that, the, the whole scene, you know, me in my dirty mind. I'm just thinking, like Jesus, they must have some kinky fun in the bedroom if he can use those webs. <laughs> like you know, that handcuffs. They've just got webs. What do, you, what do you plan to do with those in the bedroom? <laughs> Oh, seriously, you have no romance in your body. Put Jamie on the phone. She'll be able to answer that. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm, maybe I'm... Wow, I feel so sorry for Jamie. Here. Jamie, <laughs> you need to... Wow. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, this is your kinky version of a condom or something. He like, has not seen Fifty Shades of Grey, Jamie, has he? Like, he has not seen it. <laughs> <laughs> and you have, apparently. <laughs> I don't need to see Fifty Shades of Grey to know what you can do in the bedroom with some webs. <laughs> Ben's like, I, I live Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, though, do you think that spider webs is what people are going to get turned on by? Like, that's disgusting. <laughs> I don't care what you're doing with it. Colin, let's, just, let's establish what I'm trying to say here. He uses it to tie her hands up to the side of a vehicle. And you think she's going to be more pleased by being tied up with disgusting st- spider webs than she would with handcuffs? Well, it's convenient. <laughs> it's there. Handcuffs aren't always on you unless you're Dennis Leary. But like, <laughs> if you've just got web that you can jizz out of your wrist, it's like, hey, let's be kicky tonight, honey. Jung, jung. Here's your contract. I'm Mr. Let's, Gray. Let's uh, move on with the rest of the climax here. Literally. <laughs> literally. Yes. Um, yeah. The, also, when he finally confronts... 
uh, Electro or whatever, and then he says, I'm a god. He goes, a god named Sparkles? <laughs> What's here? Come on. I like that. And I know I said I liked the, um, the, the earlier scene, but I will say there are a few moments in here with the fight scene between Electro and Peter or the Spider-Man. The the way that this visually is pulled off, especially seeing it in 3D when I saw it, you know, opening week, not opening weekend, but it looked fantastic. You know, when he's chasing him and he's shooting the lightning bolts everywhere, it looked great. I think the setting for this climax is fantastic. You know, this whole power grid, um, you know, the way they defeat him is okay. It's not like the greatest way to ever defeat a villain. I don't think the defeat of Electro is as dramatic as the defeat of Lizard was. Yeah, I think that if you're comparing the two movies climaxes, there's a much better story being told here about, you know, what Electro's planning to do and what Harry's trying to do than what Lizard was trying to do. But I still think the Amazing Spider-Man 1 probably had a better end to the climax because I can't honestly tell you what they do to Electro except that they wire a couple of things to him and then they overcharge him. Like, I don't think that that is as impressive as the action scene. <laughs> they overcharge there. him and he never returned to that establishment again. Yeah, and is Electro still alive? There's our other question. Well, I, I, I was going to ask you that same question. I, I could not tell you because we didn't get the post credit scene. So Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, interesting, though, because uh, there's no post credit scene, but there is uh, the end credits does have, like, these flashes, and there's one flash right before they, you know, get to the, the main rolling credits where I was like, what is that? And I kept trying to pause on it, and my wife, Jamie, she actually looked and said, yeah, there's Electro's face. So I think that's maybe them trying to imply, okay, Okay, Electro's still there, some electric form. Kind of like in Gremlins 2, the electric Gremlin. Did you ever see Gremlins 2? Uh, I, I haven't, no. Okay, well, watch it because I felt a lot of similarities here. But well, it's kind of like, like, I guess, like Sandman in Spider-Man 3. He's dead. Yeah. He, just, he just goes off into the wind to be sad. <laughs> he blows away with the it's wind. Of course, uh, everywhere. It's, you know. Well, <laughs> we'll end it here before we get to the Goblin stuff. So basically the Electro Climax along with uh, the the killing and reviving of Comfior, and then the nice scene on the bridge, real romance. And can you just tell Jamie to stop playing writings on the wall because Casper's up to his uh, old tricks again. <laughs> we hear him again. So, oh. <laughs> guess who's so crying cool. again? The title of an episode of 007, available via 007.wordpress.com. Um, yeah, the writing on the bridge. The writing's on the bridge. <laughs> that title will, actually. Um, yeah, that was okay. I like I like it when Gwen says, "Stop the cab, lady! I'm not even moving." <laughs> like, <laughs> typical New York typical cab. New York cab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, yeah, sure, it's a sweet scene. Like, but again, look, the problem I have with like Gwen and Peter in this movie is like we talked about it in the first one. Like, they just got so much chemistry; they're just wanting to bone each other each time they're on screen. This time around, it's just it's like. It's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's Degrassi. They're just breaking up every five minutes and they're back and they're together. And it's just draining. Like, I don't know. Like, I think you said it before about they don't need this breakup stuff. Like, sorry, movie fans, to, you know, always discredit the dim sum breakup scene. But, like, really not needed. I know that hurts to hear that. But, like, really isn't needed. Um,. But I, I like it, yeah, when they're on the bridge and all of a sudden the power starts going out because there's less, less power. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's going out everywhere. Um, but again, the, the day is saved by eighth grade science. Um, and then the little argument, oh, I'm coming with you. No, you're not. I'm coming with you. I, I do like the, the Peter bit where she's like, Peter, and she covers her mouth like, yeah, I'll give that to you. Yeah. Um, 
the visuals, yeah, they look amazing. And I think I mentioned this in one of our episodes before, but I this is the weirdest thing. I think it's probably my favourite scene in the entire movie is when the electricity is going through the thing and it goes and he's like, oh, I hate this song. I just I just love <laughs> the way it just sounds so cool. It's like dubstep Incy Wincy Spider. Uh, <laughs> Skrillex remix, remix coming soon. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um, I love how every single time Peter gets a Dennis Leary flash, I literally write in my book, it's Dennis Leary! <laughs> uh, Gwen steals a cop car like, and just plays Grand Theft Auto. Why not? Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't really have a whole lot more to add in what I've just done. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I was confused what happened to Electro. But, I mean, this is, again, my issue. I know I'm jumping ahead slightly because we're about to get um, Green Goblin come into it. Yay! Um, the thing I like about Spider-Man 3 is I like how the three villains, and obviously Harry then kind of turns good as Green Goblin Jr. or whatever he is, I like yeah. how it all is combined into one. I like that, how they, they manage that. Here it's like, oh, Electro's gone. Oh, wait. But no, there's another villain. Oh, wait, no. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's Rhino. Like, it's just, it's just it's yeah. one, two, but three. These are just cameos, though, to set yeah. up the next one. I mean, it's not like they're the villains of the movie. I just don't. I know I'm jumping ahead with it because we, we're about to get the Goblin and we're about to get to Rhino. I know what you're saying, but it just, I just don't, it just doesn't work for me. It just, it just feels like there's so many endpoints to this movie and it's kind of like, lol, joking, there's more. Lol, joking, there's more. And it's just like, end it. End the fucking movie. <laughs> well, okay, let's let's end it then. Uh, okay. <laughs> last group of scenes here. Uh, Goblin finally is revealed. You know, his transformation. I like, like, the grotesqueness of Goblin. It's funny that they have never actually done the Green Goblin from the comics, which there's a reason why. It kind of looks like a Keebler elf, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, let's be honest. Willem Dafoe didn't need anything because it's just Willem Dafoe. He looks like that. Yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah like, <laughs> but people were kind of upset with, like, his uh, costume, the the Willem Dafoe one, that it was just kind of like this armor. And I personally like that compared to, like, you know, wearing a sock over your face that the comic book one has. Um, here, his <laughs> face just looks deformed. <laughs> Basically, what it is it looks like an elf. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I need look to up Green Goblin shit. in the comics. You'll see what I mean. All right, I'm googling that now. Keep talking. <laughs> Green Goblin but, sock. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that Harry's face just becomes deformed to look like the Green Goblin's mask from the comics. I think that's kind of cool. And <laughs> like I still a fucking Santa elf. <laughs> I know that's what I said. It's an elf. <laughs> And yet people are like, oh, why did they do the armor in the first one with Willem Dafoe? Oh, why did they make Grinch like a, a hate purple mutant? thing? That's not scary. He just looks like an evil Grinch. I know. It's like it's, it's terrible. So, but so yeah, I'll, I'll compliment a creative way of doing the you know hairy look as the goblin here. Um, it's a very brief scene, but I think this is where it all becomes like the tease of the movie because there are moments in this fight scene where they are teasing Gwen's death before it actually happens. And then the other interesting thing, and this is what uh, I'll kind of get your opinion on because there's three characters I want to talk about here. We already oh, talked. Three. It's like three. <laughs> Thanks for setting that picture. <laughs> it's true. Oh, <laughs> With his little pumpkin. Uh... <laughs> He's holding a testicle with a frowny face on it. 
I want that Green Goblin yeah, in a Spider-Man like, movie. See, the man has a purse if you've ever looked at the Green Goblin comics. <laughs> Don't knock Willem Dafoe and Dane DeHane's look, okay? <laughs> fucking purse. Don't approach the man back. And pointed purple shoes. <laughs> I think this whole Harry Peter thing was set up well before 2014. He's wearing a mini skirt and stilettos. <laughs> Sex in the city. He's Jessica Simpson. What well, not Jessica Simpson? What's her name? Jessica Horsewoman. Jessica Simpson. What's her name? Sarah Horsewoman. Sarah Jessica Parker. Sorry. This is the Green Goblin for the comics is essentially a green Sarah Jessica Parker. Hey. So sexist. Uh, <laughs> the sexist is one woman who looks like a horse. We're not saying women as a whole look like a horse. Good save, good save. Because seriously, Sarah Jessica Parker looks like a horse. <laughs> really Why are we does. talking about her? Because she looks like a fucking horse. <laughs> like a green goblin. <laughs> <laughs> We're so sorry. We we're doing really good with the time, but we are not. Yeah, staying this episode's so short. <laughs> we're gonna come in under the length of the movie. <laughs> How is this possible? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna turn off the picture. You said <laughs> we'll, put it, we'll tweet it. <laughs> it gets better. Wait till you see the one I'm about to send you next. Oh no. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker's head on a horse's body. <laughs> Scratch another one off the list that we will never get on the show. I'm, I'm so sorry to the people at my Airbnb in Anchorage if you're listening to this right now wondering why some random Australian guy's cracking up laughing in your house. Oh, that's the funniest photo I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> This is the best horse picture since we had the horse in the tuxedo on Double R Seven. I do. Why did Matthew Broderick marry that woman? <laughs> I love you, Matthew. <laughs> Have a carrot, Sarah. Have a carrot. Me. Do you take this man, Matthew Broderick, to be your loving husband? I do. <laughs> Okay, let's get on with the green. Life goblin. moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to take a look once in a while, you can miss it. Even with a horse. Oh, okay, um, green goblin <laughs> in purple pointed shoes. Out am I? Not my shoes, though. They're so in fashion, darling. <laughs> Okay, I don't think you'll ever be able to look at the comics ever again. <laughs> and horse Sarah Jessica Parker's wearing the same color as the Green Goblin's costume. <laughs> See, we segued into it. It all ties in. It's expanded Oz Network Universe. <laughs> this is why my baby cries in the episodes. <laughs> That's why our listeners cry in these episodes. <laughs> I shouldn't be listening to this. It's not funny. Get on with the movie. <laughs> Somebody please tweet out a video of you crying to this episode. <laughs> oh, God, we're going to get so many videos. <laughs> we will send you your very own 007 t-shirt if you tweet that. We don't even have to, but we'll make it just for you. 
<laughs> available by <by> iTunes. <laughs> All right, we don't want to get you evicted here. Let's uh, wrap this up. Oh, it's, um, not like I can, it's not like I would be out in the streets at night time. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's four in the morning in broad daylight. You know, they say don't walk down streets in dark alleys. Like, well, they don't exist here because it's never dark. <laughs> I'm going to mug you. No, you can't. It's one o'clock in the morning in daylight. See you, suckers. Because there's somebody out there going, the power of the sun in the palm of my hand. <laughs> People in Alaska are going, mate, just come here during the, the summer months. You'll be fine. <laughs> All right. What Present we you Icarus. <laughs> Imagine the sun. Daylight, 24-7. Um, come to Alaska. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so Gwen dies. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> actually, I actually, um, in all seriousness, I'll let you talk. But there's a, yeah. there's a debate I want to settle here that I have with a friend about how Gwen dies. Because oh, I... that's the same debate I had with my wife this afternoon. I okay, bet. then. Good. All right. I'm glad we can, we can think on this. Hopefully uh, think on the same page. Here. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's jump right to that. Sure. Uh, Blah blah blah. Harry kills. Blah blah blah. She falls. Yeah, yeah. They're chasing it, and all of a sudden she's falling. Peter Webb shooter grabs her. Crashes. She's dead. Now the debate would be: Does she die because she impacts with the ground, or does her back break and she actually stopped a few inches above the ground? Um, I my argument is she her back snaps. That's my argument (laughs) because look, if you watch, I actually went back and watched it like. Because I just love death, apparently. But no, like, it, <laughs> it, it, it kind of does look like a head does hit the ground. But my argument is, and again, people can put in the argument, this is a, meant to be a kid's movie, they're not going to show the graphicness of it. If her hit, head hits the ground at that fucking speed and velocity, she has no head. There, it, uh-huh. is, it is flat, it is, there's blood, there's guts, brain matter, she's, she's gone. She's flat out headless. So, yeah. like, I, again, I can understand, they can't show, it's kind of like in... Uh, Spider-Man 2, when uh, What's-Her-Name got, like, ripped up with all the glass. Like, I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I think even with that velocity and speed, like, uh, that that's, that's snapping your spine, and you are dead. So, um, that's okay. my... I think I think her back snaps. Now, I can uh, agree. When I rewatch it, because that's what Jamie asked me. She's like, so did her back snap there? I'm like, no, she hit the ground. And she's like, all right, rewatch that. And we rewatch it. And I, I don't know if I think the fact that the way she's lying there with like her back bent is probably implying that it was the back. Um, but I kind of want to play uh, censorship here and say, because this was a kid's movie, they filmed it in a way where it was left open because I watched this three times prior to this and always assumed she hit the ground. And the reason I think that works better for the story is because Spider-Man stories are always about the fact that Spider-Man tries, but he ends up screwing things up. And he doesn't really cause her death here. And if her back breaks, well, he did everything to prevent it. But if he failed to stop her an inch an inch earlier, you know, in his following or shooting her one second earlier, and she's alive, if he has to live with the fact that she's dead because he saved her a split second too late and one inch would have meant she's alive, that's a Spider-Man ending to me. 
And I don't think they filmed it that way. I do agree. I think that her back does break in this. But I think the reason they filmed it this way is because they probably wanted it to be where he's responsible. He just just missed saving her. But, oh, you can't get away with that. We want this one to be kid-friendly. It's, so I'm kind of going with a bit of both. Yeah, look, I, I, I think you make probably the best argument I've heard. Because, I mean, I just argue <laughs> with my friend. And, oh, no, a head hit well, the ground. What's your friend's and, argument? <laughs> her, her argument is a head hit the ground. And I'm like, no, yeah. her back's down. No, a head hit the ground. And I'm like, fuck you, you're wrong. <laughs> But, like, you, I mean, I think you explained that very well. And I, I guess kind of my argument in the situation, if her head hits the ground, then why not just show her hit the ground? Like, I mean, that yeah. would just be my argument, just, you know. But, but I mean, I, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. She's dead, all right? Chris dead. As a viewer who's very invested in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, as we've learned, <laughs> yes. uh, what ending would you like better? Her back breaking, and he actually <laughs> did save her, but she was going to die anyways because it doesn't matter where he saved her. The impact was going to break her back. Or... Oh, I almost had her, and then she hit the ground. If I was only a second earlier, I look. Having I when I watched this a couple of months ago, I didn't know she died. So to me, it was like <laughs> plot twist. I, I like seriously, I didn't like. I don't know why that's funny. I didn't know she died. So like, it's I when you watched it the first time, please tell me you're not saying the second time or third time. Say, say that again. When I watched it the first time, I didn't know she died. Is that what you're laughing at me for, Colin Hilding? Or no, well, I when you the way you said that, I assumed it was like, oh yeah. So after this happened, I thought she was still alive. Oh right, right, no, no, no. no. What I mean is, like, I went into this actually having never seen spoilers or anything, not knowing that she was killed off at the end of this movie. Okay. That's, that's kind of what I meant. Um. So the question was, do do I wish, do I think that she should have died, or do I think that she should? Which way? Which way do you think is a better story? Which way would you like the story to end? I think Peter being responsible, or Peter there was nothing. Peter responsible. I think Peter being responsible because that sets up the third one better. Um, Yeah. Kind of look in having said what I said about how they just throw things down your throat, and like I. I guess the end, which we'll get to, how, you know, stupid little shit kid gets, you know, should nearly gets crushed by a rhino. Um, I think that's setting it up in the fact that he's obviously, you know, been chilling for five months, not doing much, and then he, here he is again to save the day. Um, I think they didn't necessarily have to bring in fucking rhino to show that. That could have just been random bank robber. But anyway, but, like, I, I think it, given that, as we will discuss, this was setting up, you know, more Amazing Spider-Mans, Sinister Sixes, you know, a whole universe. It, it set up the third one better. You know, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, how, I guess, Casino Royale sets it up, you know, with yeah. What's-Her-Face dying and, you Best know, her. yeah. and going, Oh, sorry, anybody who hasn't watched Casino Royale. Oh, but you spoiler, can sorry, Vesper dies. Danny wins <laughs> uh, Survivor Guatemala. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I think it sets it up. So I, I think it works that they kill her. Um, because, I mean, it's kind of, I guess, like with, you know, the Sam Raimi's with MJ and, and and Peter, it's kind of like you get tired of it in a way, but it's you're never, you're never going to have a superhero film where they're actually going to stay together with their loved one. You know, I mean, any superhero film, they're never always together with that one person. I mean, you argue Superman and Lois Lane, maybe, but even they get married and then there's issues and fucking whatever. So, Lois and Clark. Yeah, well, that too. That's what I'm trying to imply. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Dean Kane, um, <laughs> iconic actor. Um, yeah, I think I answered your question, did I? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, on that note, like, were you familiar with, the comic book storyline going into this, or is that no, what you're saying? No, you I mean, look, I, like, I, the, again, this goes to show my dumbness when it comes to the comics. Like, I love these movies, but I just don't read the source material because I don't know how to read. <laughs> um, I didn't, I'd, I'd, I'd heard of Gwen Stacy in mm-hmm. reading about Spider-Man over the years, but I guess my only uh, 
coming into into what do you say? Like my only, uh, I can't even remember what I'm trying to say here. My only familiarity with her was seeing Bryce Dallas Howard in Spider Man Three. Is Gwen yeah. Stacy? So, um, yeah, I didn't. I mean, does she die in the comic books? Spoiler alert! Or <laughs> well, this, that's that's funny because the Spider Man, I guess, would be considered like the edgiest comic book of like the sixties and seventies. Not that it was edgy. I mean, it was very kid friendly, but they would push the envelope and do things that nobody else was doing and killing Gwen Stacy was one of the first ones of that, you know, uh, several years into the Spider-Man comic book, you know, they decided to kill off Gwen Stacy who was the MJ? main love interest. Uh, no, well, MJ <laughs> was brought in kind of to replace Gwen Stacy. That's what's funny about it because so Gwen Stacy the was the original and not MJ. I She's always... the original. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'd always assumed MJ was like the lowest Clark to Spider-Man. I didn't realize yeah. it was Gwen Stacy. No. And, and I think Lois Lane, Lois Clark, <laughs> 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 they were secretly brothers and sisters the whole time. <laughs> Very uh, Kansas, but, as I've recently discovered. <laughs> but it, uh, yeah, it, Gwen was always like the original character, and that was the way the comics ended. Was that that scene in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man one, where the Green Goblin is holding Mary Jane on one side, and then the kids on the other? That's basically a play on what the comic book death of Gwen Stacy was, where he had to save, I don't remember if it was kids or something like that, and Gwen Stacy, and he chose one, and Gwen Stacy ended up dying. So. When these movies started, I think anybody who is familiar with the comics or animated series, or if I don't know if they did that in the animated series, probably a little bit too dark for the kids, but uh, not in this one. Today's kids are all about death. <laughs> My nephew's evidence of that. But the shit. idea, I think, is if you go into the series and you're familiar with it, is that you knew this is where they were going. So when I saw they even cast, you know, Gwen Stacy as the main character, I'm like, all right, they're going to do a trilogy, and in the third part, she's going to die. So when Harry is revealed as the goblin in the last few minutes of the movie. And this is why I think I'm a, such a big defender of, you know, Harry not being the main villain and not being too crowded with villains, just he's setting up, is because that being revealed so late in the movie, I think everybody was assuming Gwen was going to die at the end of part three and that they weren't going to go here until the end of the series. Like I was saying before with Richard Parker and the untold story, are we going to find any of this out? Everybody assumed, no, they're going to wait till part three. And we get everything here in part two. So her death is a bit of a surprise, I think. You know, maybe it was spoiled early on, but I remember being like, I, I think I kind of suspected it once we saw Harry was the goblin. Okay, they're going to go there. But you know, it's it, it definitely wasn't what I was expecting when the series started. I was fully convinced they were going to go all the way to part three before they did this. And again, having not known any of that background, I mean, it, I, mean I liked it as like a plot twist. You know, like it's just, yeah. I didn't assume it was going to happen, but... Uh, yeah. And could I, they ever have done this in the Sam Raimi? It's like, I think that's the other. I've said, you know, Mary Jane's not as interesting of a character as Gwen Stacy, probably just because Gwen Stacy has that story arc of her death and even her dad's death and everything. But I, I, I always thought, well, maybe if they had done Gwen Stacy first, they would have had more material for Tobey Maguire after three. But at the same time, like, would 2002 audiences have accepted this? Would the kids in 2002 have accepted a death the way that they did in 2014? I, no, I don't. I think, I mean, I think you just kind of summed it up there. Like, I think it's the the time, the Sam Raimi ones, you couldn't do it. Because, I mean, this ties, I think a lot of this ties into just how, not just like reboots and things like that and what we've got in terms of cinema, but I mean, a lot of it can come down to to television, the golden age of television, where it's it's not uncommon to just kill, you know, main people off willy-nilly. Yeah. You know Game I mean? of Thrones, yeah. yeah. So I think that 
we accept it more because we're used to it more. But in the early 2000s, I mean, you know, when a show like 24 came out and was doing what it was doing, that was like, holy fuck. Yeah. So I well, don't think you could have... you would That wouldn't have been as accepted. Like, it would have been mm-hmm. a fucking huge deal. Like, I mean, it's kind of like... Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Batman vs. Superman, Superman dies. I mean, you know, it's, or does he really? Um, yeah. But of course he doesn't. It's fucking Superman, seriously. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just, I, I don't think it would have worked. Yeah. Well, I mean, you go back to even the I mean, I'm a huge, but probably my favorite non-Star Wars movie of all time is the original 1978 Superman movie with Christopher Reeve. And I remember as a kid watching that and the scene where Lois dies, spoiler alert, Lois dies in that, but does she really? <laughs> now we know where they got it in the new series from. Uh, when Lois dies in that, I remember as a kid almost being like, what did they just do? And it was almost traumatizing for me. And even though, you know, she comes back in that, he turns back time for her to live. You know, still as a kid, every time I would watch that movie, it would kind of get to me a little bit. You know, I wasn't sad, but it was almost like, this is dark, you know? Yeah. And I, I, it's funny that my nephews and, you know, one of my nephews still kind of gets freaked out a little bit and scared at little things in movies if, if a villain is too scary or whatever. But they weren't bothered by this at all. And it's not even something that became a big talking point, which is weird, because you would think maybe this movie did come a few years too late for that to have that much of an impact. Um, but I don't think most people talk about this saying it's amazing. They actually killed off Spider-Man's girlfriend. Everybody's just like, yeah, Gwen Stacy dies in this one. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess maybe that kind of comes back to what I said about how I wasn't spoiled or anything about this, how this happened. Because I mean, maybe that just comes down to, as you're saying, like it, it wasn't a big deal. It's kind of, yeah, yeah. You, know, they've, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's it's interesting. I mean, I guess it's kind of even like going back to Superman dying. I mean, he's not really dead, people. But like, I mean, it's kind yeah. of like you would assume that that's like a huge thing. Like, the fuck, they killed Superman. But yeah. I guess it's kind of people know he's not really dead because he's fucking Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a good point you raise with that. And um, I don't know. Does that is that a good or a bad thing it, when it comes to well, watching movies and TV shows now that we're not like? What does it take for I, us as a viewer to be shocked by a big death like that? Well, it's like you said with 24, you know, the final scene of 24 season one, which we won't spoil if anybody hasn't seen it. We will it. cover that show episode by episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, the the final scene of that was like revolutionary oh, for television. Yeah. I remember like people, like nobody could talk about it. It was it was a big deal, kind of like, you know, the, the, the twists of Luke, I'm your father and all that. What? It's like, oh, <laughs> not I'm your father. Colin, but <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, and nowadays it's not as big of a deal. What I just find interesting is that it's almost more of a surprise. I think if we're looking at the way you reacted versus the way I reacted, it's more of a surprise if you do know it's coming and just don't know when it's going to happen. Because I was like, wow, that's so good. I didn't expect them to kill her off in the second movie. And you were like, oh, they just killed off his girlfriend. Well, it's, it's, okay. It's, it's an interesting, like, like, kind of without going long-winded in, in terms of this. And if you haven't seen Star Wars The Force Awakens, tune out now. Um, but it, it's, it's kind of like you went into that assuming that yeah. someone was going to die. You know, yeah. And most people probably assuming Han Solo. I thought it was Han or Chewie. I thought they were going to kill Han mm-hmm. or Chewie. I was like, they're not killing Luke. They're not killing Leia. But they're going to kill one of them. So, like, when yeah. it, And when that sequence is happening... Straight away, I knew that was what was about to happen. I knew, like, he's walking out that bridge. I'm sure I wasn't the only one. I'm not that smart. Like, everybody could have assumed yeah. that. But, like, I, I still remember being in that cinema, the midnight screening, and when, you know, he gets stabbed and he gets thrown off, like, just, you could hear a pin drop. Because it's like, yeah. holy fuck, Han Solo just died. Spoiler alert. And yet, 
I guarantee you have you have the same reaction when you talk to people about that that I had. Everybody I talked to said the same thing. I kind of figured he was going to die, yeah. but wow, like I did not expect the reaction like that that yeah. I got. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. It was just yeah, you sum it up right. You kind of like going back to what you just said, maybe about like everyone maybe knew that Gwen was going to die or whatever, but it's it's um, it's maybe just the manner that they do it. Um, mm. So, yes, yeah, I mean, you still do get shocked in some things. Like, I mean, I know you and I sort of loosely talked about House of Cards and there's, you know, yeah. one that I can think of in that that it's kind of like, oh, yeah. holy fuck, like I had to rewind it like five times to even compute what just happened. Um, yeah. So, like, there are still moments when you can get incredibly shocked and there's somebody who doesn't watch now- Game of Thrones... Uh, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you how that works because I... Can I just ask yeah. a House of Cards question? Are you talking about the death that happens like at the beginning of season two? Oh, yeah, the train one. Yeah, and and <laughs> what's interesting about that, and again, this goes back to what I was saying is even if you know something's coming because my brother told me before uh, House Cards, like when House Cards first came out, he already had been trying to get me to watch the British series for years because mm-hmm. he was a big fan of that. And he told me, before you watch the American one, just promise me you'll watch the British one. And I watched it, and that death is the end of the first series of the british show uh, okay. so i knew what was going to happen and when it didn't happen in season one it actually made me even more caught off guard with season two when it starts because you just don't know when it's going to happen I, which I, is- I had no idea because i, I like i mean mm-hmm. you kind of you're learning a little bit about frank and all that sort of stuff and you you weren't unsure about i, I i'm kind of probably going to too much spoiler territory there but like i I guess at that point, like as I said, it was. I, I honestly, and I know we're going very sidetracked here, people. Welcome to the Oz <laughs> Network. We've got plenty of time to catch up. Well, we're going to make this three hours. We're only at two hours at the moment. <laughs> but um, I, I guess, kind of, if I am to think back on shows and movies that I've watched over the years, unspoiled going into it, not knowing what's about to happen, I mean, that, I. I honestly think that could be maybe the most shocking death that I've ever seen in any film or TV series, just based on not having any knowledge that that was going to happen, that that character was capable of doing that. Like, we know he was capable of doing some pretty nasty things, but to actually do what he did, like, even Mm -hmm. just thinking about that scene right now, it just, it was incredible. That was great TV. And, And yeah. As a way to actually tie it back to what we're saying here, the fact that I knew that was eventually coming, when it caught me off guard, it was exactly the same as this. So I think if we're talking about what, how can you surprise an audience nowadays, uh, maybe the secret is don't try to surprise me I what's was... going to happen. There's, there's a great show called Bloodline out there, which just finished. And the very first episode ends by revealing the death of a character that the entire series is going to be about. But yet that character doesn't actually die until the last episode of season one. And yet it made it more interesting to know what was coming. I guess the the one thing I will say about this whole Gwen sequence, though, is that, like, the way it is done, the the falling, the slow-mo, I mean, visually it looks amazing with the clock pieces and all that sort of stuff. I'm not taking away from the visual aspect of it, but... I guess kind of relating to what we're talking about House of Cards and some other ones, it's, it's that shock value that it just mm-hmm. it just happens. Whereas like this one, it's kind of, you're getting to an extent where you're kind of like, holy fuck, she's about to die. It's kind of like the Han yeah. Solo bit where like he's out on that bridge and you're like, oh no, oh no, this is no. Because well, yeah, they have moments leading up to this. Like I said, they're teasing her death and I'm more referring to little things like where, oh, she's about to get hit by something and you're assuming, well, she's going to die. But there are even more, even just the way this is set up where, you know, Peter's like, there's no way you can come. You're not going to live through this. And she's like, I need to do this. She has those like final heroic moments that if you 
have watched enough movies, you know, oh, this character's probably about to go to their death. So they are almost foreshadowing it throughout the last entire well, last act of the movie. Well, and uh, like the, the the funniest thing is about watching this a second time around, like her whole valedictory, valedict- the, the speech when she's smart. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not a valedictorian because I can't say the fucking word. Um, we call it ducks That's in Australia. That's the first word you've butchered in this episode. <laughs> we call it ducks in Australia, right? It's, it's like quack quack, you know, um, spelled D-U-X, not fucking ducks you idiots um (laughs) we're the idiots you can't pronounce valedictorian shut up um but like obviously having knowing that spoiler that she dies and watching this from the beginning like that's obviously a huge foreshadowing the way she's like what she's saying um but yeah i i look it's uh, closing this out full circle segueing whatever you want to say i i think going back to what you asked me i think it like it works that she dies i don't kind of back to 24 about what happens in the end. I don't know if 24 could have worked had said person at the end of season one not been killed off. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a huge development for the character of Jack Bauer. So I think this would have been a huge development for Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, Peter Parker, moving forward. James Bond, Casino Royale. Like it's yeah. You sometimes need the tragic death to make that character who they are and who are they becoming and given this is the untold story of <laughs> of spider-man and peter parker you know to have these different motives so like you know setting up the mary jane stuff moving forward um you know shanley woodley or not whoever it is like he's gonna go into that relationship differently as would james bond with anybody as you know peter parker would with the death of that you know what i mean so i think that it, yeah. i think it was important and Again, we're going to talk, no doubt, about the future of what happened with this very soon, but I think that it would have made for a very different uh, Amazing Spider-Man 3. Well, I'll just kind of wrap up the last couple of scenes here, and then there's something else I want to touch on with that, uh, kind of going along with what comes after this. Um, we we basically go into a funeral, because it wouldn't be a Spider-Man movie without a funeral. We are at <laughs> Is four any... out of the... F- well, you, be- you just answered my question. Movies. I was about to say, we had one in every movie, but never mind. You yeah, just said it. <laughs> four out of... The only one that didn't was two. Um, You're right. So one ends with Norman's no funeral. A fuck about uh, Alfred Molina. <laughs> Alfred Molina. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, yeah, Norman in one, Harry in three, uh, Captain Stacy in Amazing Spider-Man, and now Gwen in this. So it's just funerals in every single one. Um, and then we get the setup for the Sinister Six, which was supposed to come. You know, they uh, got Harry there. They're talking about uh, this rhino is the first one they want to test out. And you realize that these experimentations all about maybe building some type of army of supervillains. I don't know what the purpose is. Uh, nice scene between Aunt May and Peter on the end here. All their scenes are great. Um, and uh, I want to talk before we get to the last part there. When I went through the deleted scenes, the very first deleted scene they show you is actually the deleted scene that would have been on the end of the movie. And this is what's interesting because I found even the Richard Parker death that they, they when I watched the first part, I assumed, oh yeah, he's going to end up being alive at the end of the series. And then when they kill him, they show him die at the beginning of Amazing Spider-Man 2. I was caught off guard by that. But there's a deleted scene where the original ending of this movie, I wouldn't say original ending, but an alternate ending of this, was actually Peter at Gwen's grave. And his dad comes back, and his dad is alive and has been alive this entire time and just in hiding. And it's kind of an interesting scene, something that didn't work in the movie. And Mark Webb has a commentary where he explains the reason they did this was because they felt where does Peter come back from this? How do you have Peter rebound after Gwen's death? 
Mary Jane. And that they brought his dad in to to do, you know, to serve the purpose of, oh, we got to get Peter Parker back and being Spider-Man. And we need him not be like, you know, uh, a complete zombie now. But that they in the end, when they tested it in front of audiences, audiences just felt it was too much drama and too much death. And that they felt it was better to do the exact same scene with Aunt May and much quicker. Because believe it or not, that Richard Parker deleted scene is five and a half minutes long. What is their love for Richard Parker? I actually, uh, you know, the funniest thing that I think I thought throughout this whole, uh, both of these films, um, I always assumed that he wasn't dead. Even in that yeah. plane crash scene, I'm like, he's not dead. He's coming back. Yeah. Which which is funny because I said I I didn't want to call it a deleted scene because they shot that ending thinking this is what we'll do. It wasn't something we're like, oh, from the beginning we wanted him to come back. They're like, well, what if his dad's alive, you know? And the reason that they don't call it a, or don't refer to it as a deleted scene is because even in that they say, uh, oh, and we decided it would be much better to go with the original idea of him dying on the plane. So at least in Mark Webb's mind and in the writers and producers' minds, uh, he does die. But they did shoot him living in the end, which it's an interesting scene because I'm watching it in the deleted scenes. I'm like, oh, he's having a fantasy or something like that. But no, like they legitimately did film his dad being alive. And I think there's a way that that could have worked, but it just didn't work at the end of this movie. Um, so that was the alternate ending. We didn't get Ryan it was, stomping on yeah. the kids. Well, no, it would have led from that. Basically, would have had Gwen's you know, funeral. You would have had uh, months passing later and Peter no longer is Spider-Man and he's at her grave and his dad comes back, gives him a pep talk. And then we have him reappearing with the kid at the end. The kid at the end was always supposed to be there. Which See, that, I just that to me, like, that stretches it even more. Like, yeah. it ended on the shock of his dad being alive and like, fuck, yeah, that's going to get have... real in number three rather than, oh, he's Rhino. Yeah, exactly. Um but and I think also it's just I love that last scene with the kid. I don't know where you're going to stand <laughs> on this. Um, stand on the uh, fucking think, kid. <laughs> it's such a great scene, and it is very cheesy, uh, but it is a perfect comic book moment. And again, the music, the theme in this, which I only briefly talked in the beginning, the same reaction I had to the amazing Spider-Man soundtrack that James Horner did, Hans Zimmer did this one, who really is used way too much on superhero movies. Uh I don't really care for the soundtrack, but I love the main theme that Hans Zimmer has for this. And the way that it appears at the end here with the the kid uh, appearing in the Spider-Man. It's like, thanks for standing up for me for a while. Now step aside, kid. And you got, like, Rhino shooting the guns at him, and he's swinging. Like, it's probably my favorite final moment from every single Spider-Man movie. Like, even... Oh, not in the cafe, to- hugging and... Oh, please <laughs> never bring that up again. Uh but and I loved the final shot of Amazing Spider-Man one, but you know, I, I think this scene works better uh, than any of the final scenes. And I don't know if people love this. I haven't really heard a lot of opinions. I don't know if people love this or hate it, but it's one of my favorite parts of the entire movie. Um, this final scene just totally—it's probably one of the reasons why I always walked out of this movie satisfied. Is just I think the last scene is great, and also at the same time, and this is kind of what I want to touch on as we go towards what would have come next. This movie was meant to set up future movies, not just future Spider-Man movies, but future spin-offs and Sinister Six and everything else like that. But in a weird way, I feel like this scene allows this to be like the end of Spider-Man. And I don't feel as upset as I think I would that they're rebooting Spider-Man again because it, it almost feels like this is a better conclusion as two movies that, funny enough, was was not even complete in the creators' minds. This is a better conclusion than we got with the original Spider-Man trilogy. It feels like this is a two-part story in a way, 
And yeah, there's some teases for what could have happened later on, but I'm satisfied with this being Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man story, one and two. I would agree with what you just said, the way you just pointed that out. I feel, yes, it wraps up the two films better than uh, it was wrapped up at the end of Spider-Man 3. I think my overall argument, which maybe I'm jumping ahead into some opinions when we get to this movie, I feel these two films and kind of how it's all played out and, and even in rewatching these and talking about these, I feel these are just like invisible films that add nothing to Spider-Man, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the overall canon of Spider-Man. And again, maybe we're jumping ahead because maybe, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming is going to be fucking terrible and like everybody <laughs> wants to forget that ever exists. But honestly, I don't think that's going to be the case on what we've seen so far. I just feel that if you talk about Spider-Man in film, you always talk about Tobey Maguire, at least the first two. Even in preparing for this episode, and I just typed in the Amazing Spider-Man 2, like to sort of get some stuff ready to go, one of the news articles that is on Google News as we speak is why Spider-Man 2 is still one of the greatest comic book films of all time. They're still talking about Tobey Maguire, and it's still brought back into that. I feel the Andrew Garfield ones over the years are just going to get forgotten. And maybe that's just something we can talk about a little bit more when we get to the end of the film. I just do not like this ending. I do not like this ending at all. I think you explained it very well there. Like, yes, it's a good, like, nice little wrap-up. I, I understand that. But why do we need to use a a character from the comic books, like a, a villain? Again, I don't know a whole lot about Rhino and what he's using in the comic books, but I've read enough about him to know that he's still a pretty significant villain in the Spider-Man universe. Why does it have to be... Like, why can't we just use some random villain here at the end? You know what I mean? Like, why do we have well, to have someone like that? Because it's like, if they were to continue on with the Amazing Spider-Man series, Sinister Six and all this sort of stuff, what's, Rhino's kind of just been like, what, what have we got from him? We got a little bit at the beginning, we get a little bit at the end... And then it's kind of like, well, where to from there? Like, I don't know. Like, I just think you could have used, like, use him at the beginning, fine. We've kind of got a bit of a background to that. So that can be used future, you know, as a tie-in. We don't need him at the end. I just don't feel we need him at the end at all. Like, just have random, you know, bad bank robber dude or something like that. I don't know. That's just my opinion. And, like, the kid, like, uh, I can see what you're saying, but it's just, like, the goof and the cheesiness of it. Like, the... (laughs) It's a fucking little... Like if, look, if you are really evil, if you are really a villain, you should not have a heart to not kill a child. I'm sorry mm. if that is a horrible thing to say. But if I... This is my thing that I always say about villains. And again, sure, call me one. I, I mean, I would rather be a villain than a hero because I'm a dickhead. But, like, you need to... Like, villains always have that weakness. You know, the love interest or something that always stops them. We need to have just such a prick who's willing to tread on a fucking little child. <laughs> like, just kill this kid. Kill the kid. Done. I don't know. I kind of thought that they were teasing he would have, and he was just sort of taunting the kid. But, you know, it's kind of like the what-if scenario. <laughs> okay, let's hypothetically, Peter Parker's still moping and being emo Peter and doesn't show up at this scene. The kid's dead. Okay. But I, I love the, the news report where they're like, it's been five months without Spider-Man and the crime has gone up and the police are calling out for... Like, seriously, the NYPD, what is wrong with you? You are police. <laughs> like, I want the real NYPD to be like, we need a real superhero. <laughs> like, what do they do in the world of superheroes before superheroes show up? 
Um, mm. But anyway, I, yeah, I just don't like it. It's again going back to what I was saying. We just have like one after the other after the other. Like it's just it's kind of like everything's thrown at us again, and then it ends. Just quickly on the on the score, the music. I will say that I didn't like the score in the first Amazing Spider-Man, but at least I can remember it. I couldn't tell you how the score went in this movie. To me, it's that not even the theme like nope. the. Oh, great theme. To me, like that barely even relates in my head because oh. uh, I, I will say the credits, again, I don't know if you're jumping ahead. The like, there's, there's three things that I really, really love in this film that I will say are the best things about this film. It's the Times Square scene, the dun, 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 like that bit, and I fucking love the closing credit song with Kendrick mm-hmm. Lamar and Alicia Keys. Like Alicia Keys, <laughs> Alicia Keys in a duet. Well, that's you what like I'm it? saying. <laughs> I'm about to say to you, Alicia Keys in movie duets and songs doesn't have a good track record, but it's on again <laughs> by Kendrick. Like that is a fucking amazing song. I've still got yeah. that on my like playlist on my iPod that I listen to all the time. Uh, I've had it on there since I saw this movie a couple of months ago. As soon as I watched this again today, and I heard that, like I cranked it up. I'm like, I fucking love this song. So I will maybe. I'm going to say it right now, the best song ever used in any Spider-Man film out of all five of them, including Hero by Chad Kroger and yeah. I Am in Killing, Killing Heidi, Spider-Man 2. Um, wrapping this up here, obviously the future was supposed to be Spider-Man 3 and the Sinister Six. Uh, this movie did more to set up the Sinister Six than it did Spider-Man 3. Like, and I think that's why I said... I think this is a good conclusion to the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man story and that I didn't feel like we're missing stuff because everything they had here was just about the Sinister Six movie, which was supposed to, I don't even know if Spider-Man was supposed to be in it, but it was supposed to feature, obviously, you know, Harry is the goblin in it. You were going to get Paul Giamatti as Rhino. Uh, other characters, I think the Vulture was going to be one of the ones in there. You even see, like, Vulture wings at the end of this. And uh, who knows what the other ones that were supposed to be in the Sinister Six were. Obviously, Doc Ock was going to be one. You know, we saw the Doc Ock arm and everything. Uh, and you're not going to do it without Doc Ock. But that's where they were going with this. And there was a script for it. They'd hired a director. Like, they were so close to making this movie. Uh, even to the point where they decided they were going to part ways with Andrew Garfield and... Uh, and they weren't going to be necessarily making Spider-Man anymore, you know, on their own. There was still talk of the Sinister Six movie even after that. And I heard even as recently as like a couple of months ago, they're like, oh, there still could be a Sinister Six movie. At this point, if they do have one, it's not going to be connected to the series, obviously. The- but it would be an inter- it would be an interesting idea to see a movie about all of it. We've got it now with Suicide Squad. Yeah. Uh, I think Sinister Six could have worked, but I think Sinister Six is different that you can't turn them into heroes. You would have had to have had spider-man in it or some other type of uh hero that they were fighting or a villain that was even worse like they have to fight venom or something the thing that i found really interesting in reading and again probably jumping ahead here we'll talk more about this probably in our homecoming preview but like just with how they're handling spider-man still the fact that they're they're obviously have allowed them to use it in the the marvel cinematic universe Mm -hmm. but sony are still creating their own world of spider-man's yeah. how they're, they're doing a venom movie and mm-hmm. uh, they're doing a black cat movie and kind of but they're not going to be tied into marvel so it's kind of interesting kind of what you're saying there about how they're still still doing this and again we can talk about that in the grand scheme of things i was reading a lot about andrew garfield actually with this and how he was very outspoken about a lot of spider-man stuff and how sony weren't happy with him but you know daniel craig slitting his wrists but like it's <laughs> It's also, apparently, Andrew Garfield was very pro, let's get into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, he was pushing for this to be mm-hmm. a thing. I think it was kind of like Hugh Jackman was pushing for Wolverine to be part of the 
the universe as well, wasn't he? So, like, it's kind of like these actors who are playing these roles want to be involved in that. So, um, I, I find I found it interesting, just like as you were saying, how it's more of a setup for those ones because it did seem kind of before, obviously, everything happened with Marvel that Sony were basically saying, "Ah, eh, we can forget about the Amazing Spider-Man three for a while. Let's focus more so on these other ones." Which, again, as you said, with Suicide Squad, similar to that I think it would have been interesting because I think. You know, it, it kind of works when they kind of can explore these things. I mean, it obviously worked a lot with Guardians of the Galaxy and things like that, didn't it? You know, these sort of side ones more so than the main ones. So, yeah. Yeah. And I I don't know, maybe I'm just, and I talked about this in the episode that Jamie and I did on The Mummy um, a few days ago, but I'm kind of just always curious. I want to see, whether it's good or bad, I want to see where you go with these franchises and these series. And it's still going to be interesting to see what they can do with a Venom movie and if they have ways of spinning off. I know that they, I think they announced just like a day or two ago a couple of other Spider-Man ones that were going to be getting uh, spinoffs of, from Homecoming. But yeah, it is still all Sony. Uh, the interesting thing about the Sony and Marvel team up here is that they apparently talked about that even before Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out. Like before the movie was released, they were talking. There was those Sony email leaks and you know some of those were about them saying, oh, can we do a deal with Marvel to, you know, bring these two together? Uh, I'm not such a huge... Like, I like all the Marvel movies, and as I talk all the time on this show, I'm not such a big defender of Marvel. I think Marvel needs to do everything. I think part of what makes Marvel work is that they have competition. And when people say, oh, they need to bring the X-Men series and let Marvel do it, it's like, no, Marvel is only doing what they're doing because the X-Men series did it first and still is big enough that Marvel has something to compete with. If there's nothing for Marvel to compete with, they're just going to get lazy. And well, it's DC already... isn't competing with them just yet. So, well, <laughs> and I, I like wonder... the DC. You know, I'm not trying with... to be bad there. I, I prefer DC over Marvel. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I think with Wonder Woman now, I think it makes it even more competitive, which is what I like. Is that Wonder Woman's success is leading to be like, oh well, we kind of missed the boat by not having any female characters out there. You know, um, so more competition, the better. Uh, more, more competition. More, more, more <laughs> movies. More Marvel. Uh, <laughs> But what this basically led to is very quickly, you know, they struck the deal where Sony was still going to retain, you know, the distribution rights. Uh, They were still going to be producing these movies, but Marvel was going to be producing with them and being able to use Spider-Man in their universe, which really isn't that unprecedented. I mean, most people forget that even as this Marvel universe has been going, the Incredible Hulk movie that came out with Edward Norton was through Universal Studios, which is one of the reasons why they you know aren't using that or don't reference it as much and everything it is still uh, is that still technically classified as part of the mcu though? yeah it is yeah, yeah. they even brought back uh william hurt who played uh, a character in the incredible hulk they used him in civil war i think right. it was so yeah but like they distance themselves from that because they don't have the same rights it's not the same studio so it's not like it's that unprecedented but i don't know i it, we'll talk more about spider-man homecoming next week i know but that's what it's basically led to is now Marvel having the Spider-Man rights, which, you know, maybe it's going to be good. Maybe it's going to be bad. But I don't know. I, I kind of like having things separated and I like that competition. I like everybody to have their own world. And I remember talking about that all the way back in the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire is that it was kind of like the old days of superhero movies where everybody existed in their own universe. And you didn't have to have a thousand cameos from all the other characters in it. Yeah, I'm... Still, as somebody who, at the time of recording this, has seen like two or three of the Marvel movies, and again, it's nothing that I have against them. I just, 
I'm going to eventually sit down and watch them in order because I want to obviously catch up. And now that I'm doing, uh, you know, this podcast, I kind of need to. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I tend to agree with a lot of what you say because, you know, I mean, you and I are a similar age enough that, you know, we grew up on, you know, like the Batman movies and then, you know, the 90s sort of, you know, the superhero ones that we had and then sort of obviously leading into then the early 2000s revival of it all and how that all was. And it's it's kind of it's interesting to think about how they were you know 15 years ago and then how obviously they are today you just it's just not heard of to have a superhero movie now that just isn't tied into something you know what i mean mm-hmm. so yeah. it's it's kind of it's it's very interesting to look at that and i i think i mainly agree with everything that you say with it uh and that's not to take away from how marvel's revolutionized you know the superhero genre and obviously the 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 term cinematic universe obviously relating to what you're saying like with the mummy how they're trying to do that and you know a lot of other films that are trying to do it so i just kind of think on the grand scheme of things as i was saying before that these two films will get lost in the the way i think that Uh i mean i don't know i i i just feel that and again maybe i'm jumping ahead to our just overall ratings of it but it's i just don't feel that these films held anything so unique over the original Sam Raimi trilogy to make them that it's kind of like how Superman Returns gets forgotten in the Superman scheme of things you know I, I don't think yeah. it should I love Superman Returns oh yeah you, me too you and yeah. I are both very much fanboys of Superman Returns but if you talk about Superman what do you generally talk about Christopher Reeve and then you generally talk about Henry Cavill and the DC Universe well, Superman Returns generally gets forgotten in the mixture I feel this will be the Superman Returns these two films of the Spider-Man Universe uh, at the same time, I think it is similar to Superman Returns in that while there aren't a lot of people who are like Amazing Spider-Man 1 or 2 are such great movies and, you know, maybe people are, I don't think they're ever going to be hated movies. I think these are going to be movies people look back on like, yeah, they're pretty good Spider-Man movies. Uh, at this point, we're about to watch our sixth Spider-Man movie and a decade from now, we'll probably have 12 of these movies. Like, who knows? With four different actors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and I would have had uh, our turn by then. <laughs> but... Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of Spider-Man movies that just kind of get lost, but I think what, what will stand the test of time is Andrew Garfield, and I, it, it was so important that he had Hacksaw Ridge that people take him seriously as an actor, and he's not going to be just, oh, he's just one of those wannabe superheroes, because he is really good in these movies, and the, the praise these movies get has a lot to do with him and Emma Stone, and I think especially him, I think his reputation has only grown since 2014 as spider-man i think people like him better now than they did when he was making these spider-man movies yeah and it's very similar to like you said superman returns where people aren't necessarily people don't hate superman returns people just aren't crazy about it and even though nobody's really talking about brandon routh as like you know the the classic superman but when people do talk about superman returns they will generally say you brandon routh was pretty good in it you know and when brandon routh appears in other things people like oh cool it's superman and i think that's going to be andrew garfield so if these movies are remembered for anything i think andrew garfield will be it and i'll go on boris to say that i think i probably prefer andrew garfield a little bit even to toby mcguire after rewatching these no, <laughs> I, no, that's I, Andrew Garfield never screwed it up the way Tobey Maguire did. The, the one thing one. I will say, in kind of reading these things that I said I've been reading, because hey, I learned how to read in Alaska. Um, but <laughs> the comments, a lot of the things that Andrew Garfield, I was saying how he was outspoken. I don't necessarily think he was outspoken. What I was reading, I just think he was kind of very upfront and honest about it. You know, he wasn't pulling a Daniel Craig. I'm like, oh, I fucking want to slip my wrist. I never want to do this again. Like he was kind of like 
somebody like asked him like would you want to be spider-man again or something like that and he's like well i don't see myself as spider-man you know i see myself as and he just explained it very well and he kind of just the development of himself as an actor and i think i can see what you're saying about how people will think of him as spider-man i think andrew garfield between him and toby Maguire, i mean toby Maguire obviously had more of like the indie reputation going into spider-man and really hasn't done a lot since spider-man whereas andrew garfield has kind of done the opposite he wasn't hugely known coming into spider-man but now he's obviously now he's you know oscar nominated and he's just gone on to bigger and better things so i i feel that like it's really put a groundwork and i feel andrew garfield will win an academy award one day and you know he will be able to be such an established actor that he won't have that whereas toby Maguire. I love Tobey Maguire, and he's kind of like a Brendan Fraser, as we've kind of gone. He needs to be in more stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I just, yeah, he's kind of just hasn't done a lot recently. One thing I, I wanted to say quickly, too, in terms of just the actors in both of these films, though, it's like, how many Academy Award winners have we had in these two films? Oh, you yeah. Know, like, obviously, Emma Stone now, Sally Field, you know, uh, uh, what's his name you were talking about before? Uh, I've gone blank on his name. Chris. Uh, Chris Cooper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like the, the one thing actually that I don't, I've never seen the film Sideways, but I obviously know Sideways mm-hmm. was a very big film in 2004, you know, but like obviously yeah. the two main stars in that, Paul Giamatti and Thomas Hayden Church. Ah, I hadn't put that both together. Both went yeah. on to play Spider-Man villains. So yeah. I kind of think that was kind of funny. I just, I don't know why I put that together uh, in watching this. But uh, I mean, like, I think... I will say just on what they tried to do, I think they tried to do something with Spider-Man that, you know, in this age of reboots and all that sort of stuff that we were talking about, sort of a bit darker, a bit grittier, but I just think the problem was was this film. They just didn't know what they were doing with it, and I, I, it's kind of interesting how you said how they, they ended it and how it kind of, it, I agree, it definitely closes it out better than uh, Sam, Ra- Sam Raimi did in Spider-Man 3, but it's kind of... I'm then always going to... I might not necessarily think what would Spider-Man 4 have been like with Tobey Maguire and that I would have loved to have seen mm-hmm. it. But I think I probably wonder more, well, what would have the amazing Spider-Man 3? It would have been more fun yeah. to have three of these to compare three to three, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so that would be my only thing out of it. As much as I prefer Tobey Maguire and the original three, I still would have possibly liked to have seen one more of these just to fully compare them uh, to kind of see what they would have done. Because if they had made a good third one and saved it over this rubbish, then, hey, I might be talking about <laughs> these completely differently. Uh, one other interesting thing to talk about is, you know, why they cancelled this series. Because, I mean, people can say all they want, oh, the box office was down for each Spider-Man movie all the way up to The Amazing Spider-Man. But it wasn't down that much that it it's really mattered. 200 million, right? Like, it's still uh, a lot 200, well, like, let's be honest, $202 million domestically but this thing made $700 million worldwide. And worldwide gross matters way more than domestic gross does, as I also talked about in the Mummy episode. Uh, this movie, when you look at it, even just domestically compared to other superhero movies, it outgrossed the first Thor, the first Captain America. It outgrossed Ant-Man. Uh, it only made $4 million less domestically than Thor The Dark World. It only made $4 million less than Batman Begins did. It made twice as much worldwide as Batman Begins made. And yet nobody was sitting there when Batman Begins came out and said, oh, well, the, the gross for this is down from even Batman and Robin, which I think it was worldwide. Oh, where's the series going to go from here? I mean, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 made more than enough money that they could have continued on with it. And you can say, well, critics didn't like this movie. Critics were not as divided on this as they were Spider-Man 3. And if, if you look at 
even just the you know Rotten Tomatoes averages, Metacritic, or even IMDb, this is significantly higher in all of those than Spider-Man 3 was. So... For, for the most part, critical response to this was people overuse it, but this was a mixed critical reception. It was kind of 50-50 between you know, critics who recommended it and people who uh, didn't recommend it. And most audiences fell somewhere in the middle, too. It was just sort of an average movie. They could have easily rebounded from this. People want to create this fiction where Sony's in trouble and, oh, they just struck this deal with Marvel. They saw potential that they could make more money. <laughs> Sony did this and it was smart business. The idea here is that they still have full control. Marvel's allowed to make the movie, but now they actually have Marvel, Marvel promoting their movie within Marvel's own movies. Uh, Captain America Civil War, which we'll talk about a little bit next week, you know, in the Homecoming preview, is featuring Spider-Man and even features the post-credit scene which teases Spider-Man Homecoming. And, that even and how much ends. was that trailer? When that, I remember when that trailer for the Civil War came out, I think the biggest thing that people got out of that was at least oh, the yeah. second trailer was his Spider-Man. That was, I think, the exactly. one that everybody took the most out of those trailers. And something that they've never done in any Marvel movie, you know, the Disney, which owns Marvel, none of their movies have ever ended with, you know, the way we have James Bond will return. Captain America Civil War ends with the scroll, Spider-Man will return. Sony is coming out as a winner on this, and it's not because they were in trouble. They could have continued making Spider-Man movies forever. They just realized we can make more money because now we don't have to pay for all the production of this movie. We can have other people make the movie for us and still make the majority of the money. In fact, make more money. It's smart business. And I think people who think, oh, well, Sony just did this because they were in trouble. Sony, Sony was still making more money than the majority of Marvel movies out there. It wasn't a problem with that. Yeah, and I mean, it's... It's kind of going back to what you were saying before about how everything's shared and we don't have them in their separate, separate worlds, which, again, I agree with you, but it's also a case of I'm on, on the flip side of that. I, I like continuity. I like things to kind of be all together. So, like, as much as I agree with you about, like, having the X-Men movies separate and, you know, even if they had kept these separate, like, I would have been fine with it. But at the same time, I also like the idea of that they can all be as one. Because, I mean, I think, like, as a fanboy and a geek, and you'd be the same, I'm sure... To think of a movie where one day we could have like all the Avengers and Spider-Man and the X-Men like all together. Yeah. You know, there's, there's spider jizz webs coming out of every, you know, orifice. Like, it, that's just such an... I mean, can you imagine the day that there's peace in the world, in the Middle East, and Marvel and DC come together? And we get the <laughs> ultimate movie, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, teaming up with the Avengers. Like, I mean, come on. That movie right there has one movies. Like, that, yeah. that oh, makes $20 trillion... <laughs> like and then I add Star Wars to it, fucking Jurassic Park, the <laughs> ultimate movie to end Sex all movies. In the city. <laughs> well, now you're going too far. Uh, <laughs> I, I I do want to say I I agree with that, and I like the idea of the crossovers. I'm a huge fan of that. But what and we'll get into this next week. We'll we'll talk a little bit about Spider-Man: Homecoming now. I guess very briefly, uh, or we'll save that for the end. But uh, I guess my beef is is that it's gotten to the point where even in Marvel movies you have too much of other characters and this is what my fear is going to be with homecoming is that there is going to be so much tony stark in that movie that it's going to be a spider-man and tony stark team-up movie whereas we can just have a spider-man solo movie and then they cross over for something big like the avengers so i just hope that we can still have spider-man in his own series going forward yeah and i i agree and it's it's you can get like one thing that i i liked i mean a lot of things I liked about Batman vs. Superman and eventually Suicide Squad, because I've seen it now, yay, um, mm-hmm. is that 
is that I feel that one thing that DC do well is that they they don't overkill the cameos and they don't overkill like from what I've seen of Marvel they do and like kind of going yeah. what you were saying um and yeah I agree with you and it's it's kind of interesting like again we'll talk about Homecoming and we've got to rate this film yet I think you know where I'm going but yeah. <laughs> interesting where you're going but um it's going to be interesting looking forward to Homecoming in terms of what you were just saying. And, like, one thing, though, that is good is it looks like we're not going to get the generic, oh, he got bitten by a spider story, you know. It's kind of, we've at least finally moved on from the untold story. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they will do it. And going, going back to what we were saying before about how Sony still have these rights where they're making movies that aren't going to be in the Marvel Universe. But, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's what was eventually going to happen with Venom and everything. So I guess the idea they had with Amazing Spider-Man series is still going to live on because they will do that. Um, let's do the review here before we talk briefly. About, before we even get to the review, or not the review. Before, <laughs> what's that? Been it. Uh, well, I figured you'd say that. I did that with Spider-Man 3, so fair enough. We have completely reversed roles here. Um, it's interesting because I think I bought all of them except for Spider-Man 3. Um, and Spider-Man 3 was a bit for me, but this one, uh, I do own it. Um, I actually and, did. Well, I did. I used to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I stand by owning it and I would still pay full price for this, but, but again, the way that these reviews are, how would you recommend this to somebody? If you're a Spider-Man fan, I think Spider-Man 1, 2, and Amazing Spider-Man are movies. Like, those are must-see movies. They're great Spider-Man movies. 3 is garbage. Don't watch it. Don't <laughs> listen, listen to, to me, not Ben. Listen to me. Ben doesn't know what he's talking about. I like another day. Sorry. <laughs> but I, I would fall somewhere in the middle with this where I do think there are problems with this movie and it's probably not worth spending all your money on. I would still say rent it, though, because I think that this movie is enjoyable the most the first time you see it. And even you said today, uh, you know, when you were messaging me, you said that this movie got worse on a second viewing for you. And I think it does diminish for me. I don't think it gets worse, but it does diminish each time I watch it. But for a first viewing, it's definitely worth it. Now, of course, having said that, nobody listening to this podcast is going to be like, I've never seen Amazing Spider-Man 2. I'm glad you spoiled everything for me. Let me go buy it. If you're <laughs> seriously listening to this before seeing the film, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Uh, um, I would love to if anybody actually did do that we will send you a free 007 t-shirt a 007 one not even an Oz Network one because 007 available via iTunes is I actually like in all seriousness I I second what Colin says just like I would be so intrigued like are there people out there like Catherine I I mean again we haven't heard from you in so long Catherine because you listen to Steel Wars now did Uh, men kill you by mentioning you in an episode maybe since I've met you you're just like oh well he wasn't that special I'm not going to like you know but like in all seriousness like do we have subscribers out there who are so religiously involved in our podcast that they just listen to it no matter what and then they're like oh that sounds like an interesting movie I'm going to go watch it because that would be a very weird way of watching a film yeah yeah let us know um, or let us know if that's not how you listen just let us know you listen <laughs> yeah, please we need let to us know, know. There. are we wasting <laughs> our lives talking to each other on this podcast recording it for no one to listen like you do know, we, we need to do something we... better with our lives we see all the downloads, but we don't hear your feedback. I mean, that's probably so. just Colin secretly pressing refresh every single time, like download, download, <laughs> download. I'm wondering why all the downloads are coming from Winnipeg. My one-year-old son is just got his finger stuck on one button on the keyboard. He loves Third Watch. He loves the yeah, shit out of the show. Apparently, loves Third Watch. Uh, but before we get to, we, we've done our reviews. I'll rent this thing. Well, um, can I can I quickly add just on the binet, just really quickly? Mm-hmm. I, all, all I want to say is just. 
The difference I will add between this and Spider-Man 3. I can watch Spider-Man 3 and have fun. I don't get oh, bored in Spider-Man I feel 3. sorry for you. <laughs> I get I got bored like you were saying about like how I said this got worse on the second time around. I still watched this the first time around was bored and thought it was shit. So yeah. I I just find this boring in so many aspects and all the things that I've said. So I just I like to think of film sometimes as fun. Like in all jokes aside about dying another day, like as I said in that day on like 007. Um it's it's cheap shitty fun and like that's what Spider-Man 3 is to me this isn't cheap shitty fun this is what the fuck am I watching fun um completely disagree with everything you just said uh, <laughs> let's go let's <laughs> rewind back to the point where Colin said I agree with you <laughs> this is where you have editing power uh, but I can't I, be I bothered I'm in Alaska so <laughs> if I was back home in Hobart I would have uh, edited that differently but <laughs> Uh, I think originally our plan was we were going to do an episode wrapping up the whole series. I don't know. Do we want to kind of rank these before we move on to something completely different with Homecoming? Like, we want to rank these first five movies? Yeah, look, I mean, we've actually gone shorter on this than we thought we probably would. That's what I was thinking, yeah. (laughs) I I like that. I mean, I think that probably works better because, I mean, we kind of wrapped up the trilogy a little bit with the Sam Raimi ones. So I think, yeah, let's let's summarize them in five here and And then kind of then... Because we just keep Homecoming separate as a preview and then we'll do a non-spoiler review and then eventually when it comes that in Blu-ray will obviously and do it properly. Can we'll also let's also just throw out there. Let's let's pick like a Hall of Fame scene from each film each. Sure. So well, we'll number see. one's so, obvious. We don't even need to debate that, right? Do, the, do we? I don't kids. know. I mean, that has to uh, win, doesn't it? Uh, but the, my I argument know, for I, that would be out of all the Spider-Man films in the last you know fifteen years, that is the one scene that has been done uh, so much enough, and yeah. reviewed and like yeah. it's iconic. It's just like the fair Dim enough. Sum scene. But, I mean, I just want to say I love the parade scene, the fight scene between oh, Green Goblin and agree, Pierce I agree. Green. I agree. I mean, I, I, yeah, absolutely. If we're doing a three, for sure. But, I, I mean, I just, I just feel that out of all the scenes in any Spider-Man film, that is the most memorable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. No argument there. You have to go with that one. Uh, and we can also pick for The Amazing Spider-Man 2 the upside-down kiss between Harry and Peter. Well, I mean, that's a tough one, isn't it, between that and the dim sum breakup. So, yeah. I really don't know uh, where to go with that. Spider-Man 2, do we have a Hall of Fame scene here? Well, we have uh, The to. train scene for me, like, it has to be the train scene. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I agree. I just, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, I mean, the Doc Ox transformation is good. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, the train, it has to be the train. The train scene, yeah. Um, Spider-Man 3, oh. The whole film! No. Emo scene! <laughs> no, emo scene, not a chance! Oh, um... <laughs> Uh, see, this is where I'm struggling, and I know you're going to get here with Amazing Spider-Man 2, but uh, what do you even pick for this? <laughs> Can we go back to the last episode and find out what I liked about it? Um, I mean, look, I like the film, but I'm just trying to think of, like, one scene that stands out. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I mean like, cause, I mean, I, I don't say that as a joke. I say that as, like... Oh, hold on. I got it. The the Venom transformation and Peter losing the black suit, like, the... the the church bell. Do you really have just something called yeah. Hall of Fame with fucking Topher Grace in it? Like, <laughs> come on, I'm picking at least one scene We've from that. Got tarot. no scene with J. Jonah Jameson in it. Like, surely well, I mean, he's he's Hall of Fame actor. I don't know if the scenes he's are like star of all five. He's <laughs> exactly. You can just create your own J. Jonah. Yeah, Jameson look, I'll spin. go with the yeah, sure. Topher fucking Grace. Wow. All right, um, Amazing Spider-Man. Um, every time he stutters. 
That sounded like you know, know what that sounded like the bird, 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 bird is a word. I said the bird. No, don't start saying. I'm that. kind of torn between the the scene with the car on the bridge and the kid, and then the the crane scene with the father later on. I like no, both of those. Not the crane scene with the. F- come on. Ugh, typical it's your New York. Typical New York instruction <laughs> worker. Um, the, I don't know the car scene with the kid. Uh, but even then, I feel there's something better than that. I mean, I, I like the high school fight better than that. But I mean, yeah, the high school fight, yeah, yeah, like the whole. I thing. don't. I, I I personally prefer the other one, but I'm okay going with the high school fight. Okay, high school fight. All right, high school fight. It is. Um, and Amazing Spider-Man Two. <laughs> other than Richard Parker for seven minutes, the closing credits with this on again playing. <laughs> uh, no, uh, come on! I think we can both Time agree square. the Times Square scene. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there we go. We have Hall of Fame scenes from all five Spider-Man now we're gonna, films. So, so we're going to rank these like in our personal preferences. Yeah. Okay. Let's do. Let's do rankings. So, do you want to do count- rankings, baby? <laughs> Sorry. Download <laughs> 007. <laughs> Can we get Noah falling off his chair? Was that Whoa! part of that one? That Whoa! is seriously one of the Hall of Fame from all of our podcasts. <laughs> Noah falling yeah. off his chair. Let's let's just throw a plug out here. If you do want to listen to Double Law Seven, Five listen maybe about ten to twelve episodes in. And one of our intro themes we did, there was a moment before we started recording where Noah fell off his chair and we got the audio and then put it into a theme. It is the greatest thing you'll ever hear because it is authentic. Noah. I miss him. Fuck you, Noah, for going off and doing it. He was meant to be part of the Oz Network. We didn't fire him. Like, he just he hasn't been on one of these yet. He would be so good at these Spider-Man episodes because he'd team up with you and I'd be in the corner. <laughs> I'd be Max again, you know. He'll be there for Spider-Man Homecoming 2. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's just count this down from five to one. So, of the five Spider-Man films we talked about, what's your number five? Well, you know what my number five is, and you would, I know what your number five is. It's Amazing yeah, Spider-Man you're gonna. Yeah, my number five, Dead Last, Spider-Man 3. Okay. Um, God, four's difficult because <laughs> I want to put... Not I, difficult. Well, I, do, I, I don't want to put Spider-Man 3, like... But, um, <laughs> is, is Spider-Man 3 or The Amazing Spider-Man for me? Oh, please tell me this is in a debate. Uh, but I... But, uh, fuck it, Amazing Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man 3 oh. better. I have more Come fun on. in it. Sorry. You lost our list. This is why Noah won't be on these shows. <laughs> Hey, we don't know his opinion on so he could he could love Spider Man three. I don't know. There's no way. Send he him loves a message Spider-Man right now, 3. right now in the Double Seven chat. I want you to say, <laughs> Noah, do you like Spider Man three? <laughs> we'll get his answer and we'll update you next week on <laughs> Spider Man Homecoming. <laughs> uh, I am typing it right now. Actually, just while you're <laughs> typing it, I just want to just before we go, I I the most we we like trivia. Like we used to do the trivia on. Um, I remember when we did Survivor Oz, also somehow available via iTunes, but don't listen to this because Survivor Oz is dead. But uh, I remember when we used to do our Oz caps and we used to have the uh, the random stats of each season and there would always be the stupid stat of, like, the font for this season was. Um, there's a really, really random stat here on IMDb for the Amazing Spider-Man 2. So bear with me here. This is the first Spider-Man film not to be released the same year as a Bourne film. The pattern began what? in 2002 with the release of both Spider-Man and The Bourne Identity. Then Spider-Man 2, 2004, The Bourne Supremacy, 2004. In 2007, Spider-Man 3 and The Bourne Ultimatum were released. Ah. Even more interesting, their reboots, The Amazing Spider-Man, 2012, and The Bourne Legacy, 2012, were both released in 2012. So that wow. is a really random stat. That, that, but it's very interesting because I hadn't thought about that. Well, and I usually think about that. 
Because I remember uh, growing up as a teenager, it was always alternating between a Star Trek movie being released one year and a James Bond movie being released the next year. Mm -hmm. And that pattern held up for the longest time, which was weird to me, until they both were released the same year. And it killed both franchises. Thank you, Die Another Day and Star Trek Nemesis. Um, (laughs) I like Star Trek Nemesis. Nothing to say on Die Another Day. All right. So my number four, Ben, you're a disgrace. Um, I'm going to put The Amazing Spider-Man 2 uh, and I still like it, but it definitely is the second weakest of them. Okay, well, number three for me is The Amazing Spider-Man 3. So, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 3? <laughs> the movie oh, we never got. The, the Spider-Man. <laughs> the Spider-Man 3. <laughs> okay, you, you pick Emo Spider-Man as the third greatest Spider-Man hey, film. You know, I liked, you know I liked Emo Spider-Man. I was Emo <laughs> Spider-Man in Newark Airport, so fuck you. You know, there was probably, uh, I'm not going to say a time, there have probably been a few times where I've watched The Amazing Spider-Man and actually wanted to rank it number two even over the original. Uh, But in all honesty, I would put The Amazing Spider-Man number three, but I think it's strong because there are a lot of areas where it's close to the first Spider-Man for me. I just have to say going on what you said, and I think that's probably the best way of looking at it, and that's where I would put... Again, I didn't dislike The Amazing Spider-Man. I rented it. I rented Spider-Man 3. But I think if I was sitting around my house doing nothing and I'm like, I want to watch either The Amazing Spider-Man or Spider-Man 3, just as shits and gigs, have some fun, I would honestly put on the Spider-Man 3 rather than The Amazing Spider-Man just because I feel I would get more of enjoyment out of it. That's just that's how I look at it. You're an idiot. Thank you. Uh- <laughs> that's why they people uh- call me Max and I have a wall of you on my wall and cake <laughs> in my fridge. It's my birthday! Oh, and I forgot the, the last scene there with the kid. We actually had a lady going, "My baby, my baby." <laughs> Did you catch that? Hall of Fame scene from the uh, Spider-Man series on the Oz Network. <laughs> my baby, my baby. <laughs> that and the kid. Um, did you did you pick your number three? Yeah, the, uh, Spider-Man three. Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did you pick, um, number number two for me would be Spider-Man one. This is where it gets interesting. Mm. This is tough. Um, I am going to put, and this is this is harder than the one I just had to choose. I, and just bear with me because you're going to get you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> Let's keep this under three hours. I'm going to put Spider-Man Two at number two. But again, it's not that I don't like. I love Spider-Man Two. Everyone loves Spider-Man Two because it's an awesome movie. But I think just in kind of going back to what I was saying, if I, like Spider-Man One, I feel just like. I feel it's more of a like a, a more of a comic book than Spider-Man Two, and it's just I don't know. Like I can put on Spider-Man One. I've seen it the most out of all of them. I just I love it to bits, and it's just I just feel it's like one of these films that you know when you watch a movie and at no point do you look at your watch or at no point do you look at the timestamp yeah. and think oh, it was just nearly over. And I, I, I'm not saying I do that in Spider-Man Two, but Spider-Man One is just one of those films that you just you, you're comfortable with. You know so well. You like it so much. So you can just put it on, you know, everything that's about to happen, but you don't care. You just love it. Spider-Man 2 is like that for me as well, but I think I probably just get a slight more enjoyment out of Spider-Man 1 based on just, I guess, personal history with it. So, yeah, I'd have Spider-Man. So it's interesting. I have Sp- all of them in order. Mine are literally all in release <laughs> order. There you go. Um, yeah, and, of course, if my uh, Spider-Man 1 was number 2, then Spider-Man 2 is number 1 for me, yes. if that makes any sense. Uh but, I don't know, for me, 
I do think that Spider-Man 1 is the movie that is easier for me to go to and just check out and have fun with. Uh, and it probably is a more fun movie start to finish. But, I don't know, Spider-Man 2 is just, it's epic. It's amazing. It is like a perfect superhero movie. It's like the first Superman movie. It's like, you know, The Dark Knight. It's just, it's it's like the, it, Spider-Man will never top it as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I've probably seen Spider-Man 1 way more times than Spider-Man 2. And not just because I saw Spider-Man 1 a million times before 2 came out. It's just I, I more frequently will go back to the first one. But I definitely think the second one is the ultimate Spider-Man movie. Okay. All right. So <laughs> let's quickly talk about what we're doing next week. Because we still have two weeks to kill before Homecoming comes out. Um, we're going to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming next week. Really? really? <laughs> Shit. Well, that's convenient. We we see it early. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, Tom Holland personally invited us. That's right. <laughs> um, so I guess we're going to do two things. We're going to cover, you know, what we've seen so far, which is Civil War, which I don't know if you're going to just watch the Spider-Man scenes or just watch well, Civil look, War. Uh, what, I mean, this is where I need to probably ask you, because again, I like I, I want to do the whole Marvel thing in order. I don't know if it, is it necessary for me to no. have seen everything else before Civil War to get it, or can I just watch it, no. or should I just watch the Spider-Man scenes? What's your recommendation? I, see, I went through the timestamps for you today, so you would know where to go if you weren't going to watch the whole movie. And as I was doing that, I was paying attention to what they were showing and thinking, does this spoil anything? Does this give a lot away? I mean, basically, you have an introduction to Spider-Man, which is really just, it's its something you could get out of an extended teaser trailer, really. I mean, it's a long scene, you know, as we're used to with Mark Webb, they're holding that over, but um, it doesn't give anything away. Then you have one big action scene, and then you have a post credit scene. I mean, there's nothing in there that's really going to be spoiled for the other movies, and you can just watch it and almost pretend like this is just the Spider-Man prequel to Homecoming. I'm in Alaska. I'm... I'm meant to be busy i'll probably just watch the timestamps. so yeah <laughs> and if you were to watch the entire movie of civil war it would probably ruin you know uh winter soldier and first avenger before yeah, that so look, so. I'll, I'll just i'll look i will we will be talking about yeah 14 minutes of screen time for tom holland <laughs> <laughs> we, i mean we're eventually going to no doubt do one on civil war as a whole yeah i mean clearly but um yeah i mean I, look I'm, I'm very intrigued to see because i mean from what i've seen of tom holland and kind of the clips i have seen in the trailers like he, he almost does seem like that perfect mix of what we've said Peter yeah. Parker had with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and then the Spider-Man-ness of it all. So I've, I've got high hopes. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about this uh, in our next episode. Um, but this is kind of, I, I guess, going into this, maybe it comes down to us podcasting. I don't know. But like, I'd probably say I'm more excited and hopeful for this than I was with Andrew Garfield the first Amazing Spider-Man when that came out in 2012. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing a, an episode on it and finding other stupid things to, you know, make funny of. And if you've got any Sarah Jessica Parker horse pictures that can make <laughs> us laugh, the need set it in. Uh, but I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about what we saw in Civil War, what we've seen from the trailers, and even a few... Uh, bonus scenes that have been released, which I'm still trying to figure out. And I'll probably have to send you YouTube clips, Ben, but or you can just look them up on YouTube. I'm trying to figure out whether they're releasing real clips from this movie or if they're all just commercials for Audi uh, or Robert Downey Jr. Uh, it's just kind of confusing. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there on the movie, so we'll just kind of do a, a Homecoming preview episode. And then after that, we will finally get to Spider-Man Homecoming. And then after that, We'll probably never talk about Spider Man again. <laughs> yeah, until the next three hundred things. About it. I did see. I did think I see. I, I did think I see. I did think I saw <laughs> one of the clips. Was that the one where he's like 
going to watch the NBA finals at Tony Stark's house yeah. or something. I saw that one. That was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm trying to fi- figure out if that's because it's kind of becoming a trend now that maybe deleted scenes are being released as a way to promote them. Like they did that with Alien Covenant. They took two deleted scenes from the movie to kind of give you like a prologue for what the movie was. And I don't know if this is going to be in it because the second one is uh, it is in a commercial for Audi. But I don't know whether it was filmed as a Spider-Man commercial or if it is a deleted scene with product placement. They're like, let's use this as a commercial now. But there is stuff out there that's interesting. And then the trailers and all that. And the posters. <laughs> this lying posters? down really? with his jacket on with the New York skyline. Yeah, I, I didn't mind the poster. It was kind of it was an interesting take on it. So yeah. we'll talk about it in the next episode, of course. Lots of homecoming still to come um, before we're done we're with homecoming. coming home, coming home. I don't know if you know that song. I think it might have been Australian. No. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Are we under three hours, Ben? You, you're uh, us- we've just ticked on the three and three, according to my time. Oh. So, fuck. Let's edit a few minutes out of this, okay? Yeah. Maybe about six minutes of the laughing at Sarah Jessica Parker. No, that's and the best the- part. The rest <laughs> is shit. Let's just edit everything else out and make it a six-minute episode. This is the end of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Thank you, Archie Garfield. Yes. We love you. Um <laughs> We really do love you. Uh, all this wow, more. there's a romance. That's what we're establishing. It's not Colin like, oh, I want my romance to be like him and Gwen. It's like, I want my romance to be like That's Andrew right. Garfield. I am Get more in my bed. in Andrew Garfield than I am, Emma Get Star- your hacksaw ridge out, baby. <laughs> and show me your social network. Let's, <laughs> let's end this now. Um, my name is... My baby. Uh, <laughs> What? <laughs> I just preempted you to say, my baby, my baby. Oh, my Shut baby, up, Ben. <laughs> uh, no, that's... Uh... <laughs> I just interrupted you in the like, most important <laughs> bit. All right. Uh, let's end this. My name is John Hopkins from Harvard, and God save the Queen. And my name is Ben, and you remembered my name. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.